Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has all the answers. Just like Smarties, I've just realised I remember that ad so well, but there you go. Uh, thanks to the infernal international break, uh, we have an opportunity to do a live show where we can do what we seldom get time to do, and that is answer all your questions in a proper Q&A show, or if you're in the USA, a town hall. Y'all, they do like a town hall in the states. I watch a lot of CNN, so that's what I I pick up from from that. But uh, anyway, um, I promise there will be no politics tonight, though. Uh, just Chelsea Football Club. And while we're on the on the matter of uh, you know uh, North America, happy uh, Thanksgiving Day to all of our Canadian buddies. We have several in with us tonight, and I should get onto that in a minute. Uh, but we are delighted, as uh, as I was about to say. To be joined by some of our Chelsea fancast Patreons. We basically, uh, you know, sent them all an email saying we're doing a Q&A. And if you'd like to uh, join us, then uh, I'll send you the link. And delightfully, some of them have all turned up. Uh, and they are, in no particular order, the lovely Alex Davison, Shane, uh, Bobby Delcini, Bobby D, who we've known for so, so, so long. And the lovely Claire McConnell, lovely Daryl. Who else have we got? Tim, and we've got Ash Pinto as well. So, you know, we've got a load of them in there, which is great. because it, And we've got Giorgio as well. Giorgio's just joined us too. So we've got loads of Patreon people in who uh, will kind of not just be our live audience. They'll be asking us loads of questions and we'll be having a lot of fun with them. Uh, as ever, we've got our Mixler audience, um, many, many, many of you. And they'll, of course, be able to ask us questions in the usual way in the chat room and of course the novelty for them is that they do this every week but i ignore them because i'm too busy doing the show so it'll be a real test for me to see if i can actually multitask and prove uh, a whole gender wrong that men can actually multitask but there you go um so what are we going to be talking about well anything really i mean really anything you can ask us anything because we just don't care we've got no pride no shame you know that but i would imagine that chelsea season so far will come into it the transfer window no doubt uh, the awful news about uh, having to pay 15 quid a pop for a game over here. And, uh, of course, the recent news about the Premier League coup or the big project or the big picture, as they like to call it. Project Big Picture. Uh, world leading moonshine project or something like that. Anyway, we shall see. Now, um, of course, we've also got some emails to read out. Um, it wouldn't be a Chelsea fancast show uh, without me and JK reading a few things. I've got some lovely emails tonight, by the way, and they will also stoke up a bit of debate and of course there you go now mixler i mentioned you a lot a minute ago but if anybody wants to join on mixler of course it's easy to do so uh, you just turn up here at monday at seven o'clock in the evening you go to mixlr.com forward slash chelsea hi from fancast uh where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page and of course we've got twitter account instagram account facebook accounts all at chelsea fancast it's easy to get in touch with us and sometimes we even reply how about that now before i get into anything else uh, I need to introduce the fabulous Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, gee, you've never used that word before. I'm showing off because we've got guests. Oh, OK, thanks very much. <laughs> Can I just say, uh, I felt a lump in my throat last night when I watched Rhys James make his England debut. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, which I surprised myself because I'm normally a man of steel about these things, as you know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And particularly with Mason Mountscourt, just because... We've sort of seen him come through, haven't we, in a way that we haven't with other youth over the last few years because of uh, the way the club has been set up, what with Frank involved. 
And uh, despite me thinking he's got some problems defending, I was really pleased for him because he'd obviously played very well for England. So I just throw that into the mix for you all. I thought, um, considering England played so well in the second half last night, which completely surprised me, I was I was taken aback. I was, but good luck to him and Mason Mount scoring a goal. I think it's only good for their for their development. It's it's great for their development as players. So I think it's something we should be very pleased about. Actually. Well, yeah. I mean, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, the funny thing it was, I, I actually kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, I got um, very embroiled yesterday afternoon and trying to kill myself by rotivating uh, our new allotment. I saw you. There's a good picture yeah, of you. You like you like my picture. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. So Waxy sent it. He's he's looking. He was barely recognisable. Everybody as a kind of sort of farmer. Farmer. Yeah. And it was just Dan put. I think it was here. Get off my land. Exactly. So Farmer Giles was Farmer Giles. I mate, I've got Farmer Giles after all that work. That's for sure. But anyway, yeah. So I understand that. Does everybody understand that? For those of you, yeah, not Farmer Giles Piles. Farmer Giles oh. Piles. Anyway, yeah, I mean, basically, I forgot that the England game was on, and I turned, I, I got back absolutely exhausted, switched on the TV, just as Mason Mount scored the winning goal. How about that for serendipity? Oh. So there you go, Mason Mount, a fantastic player. Now, uh, enough of, J- of Jonathan. Uh, we now need to go to Dan, the lovely Dan Sills. Honestly, saw him on Saturday at the tr- trust meeting. He's here again on a Monday night. How are you, Dan? Yeah, good. Good to be here. We've got to stop meeting like this. I know we? people will talk, Dan. Talk, but you're well. You look well. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Good stuff. Wet and miserable, but I'm good. Yeah, I know. It's soggy outside, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, and last but by no means least, uh, the wonderful, uh, the, the Ubermeister of uh, the Chelsea Fancast Instagram account, Mr. Dane Whittle. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Pleasure. Pleasure seeing everyone. Lovely. Well, it's good to have you here, as always. Uh, we've also got loads of people from Mixler, as I said. Happy Bird. Uh, keep the blue flag flying. Int North. Yarin. Yarin Levy. Lovely to see you, Yarin. Uh, and I saw you were in the trust meeting on uh, on Saturday too, which is great to see. Uh, who else we got? Monyaki, Kepler, Adam Finnegan, Dragon, Three Leg, Matters. If she don't come, Rob Coombe, Ben Stott, all the you Happy Bird, Aussie Side, My Broken Leg. They're all in here tonight. Great to see you as always. Now, if the um, if the um, our Patreon people would like to all unmute your mics, and then I will happily introduce you all. Okay. Alex Davison, how are you, dear boy? I'm doing well, doing well. Good to, to see, you. good to see you in your fantastic 1970 uh, Cup final winning replica shirt. I refuse to call it a jersey because they are, in fact, shirts. Good to see you, mate. Especially, yeah, this one is actually made of cotton. So there you it's go. Definitely a shirt. We've got the lovely Shane. How are you, my friend? Doing well, hanging in there. Good to see you. Good to see you. Now, the next person that I can see, it's a bit like Celebrity Squares, Jonathan, isn't it? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah once again, nobody will get that reference. No. Did, am I am I Bob Monkhouse or Les Dawson? Um, Les Dawson. I think, I think you're Bob Dawson. Or Terry Wogan. He 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 did it too, didn't he, for a while? That's Blankety Blank, you're thinking Is of. it? Oh, okay, yeah. It's Bob Monkhouse, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Nobody will get that. I really don't care. Um, I actually reckon this bloke will get it, actually. He's one of our oldest uh, or longest term listeners, should I say. Uh, a man we've had the pleasure of having him on the show when we had the benches. We've been out on curries with him. We've got horribly drunk with him at football games. He's without doubt one of my favourite expats anywhere in the world. But he he happens to be based in Melbourne now, and he is the lovely Bobby D, Robbie Delcini. 
How's it going, mate? It's all right, mate. Lovely to see you and hear those <laughs> those dulcet tones. Brilliant stuff. Uh, we've also got another favourite here. Claire is one of the most loyal people for the fan cast. She's in Mixler every week, and she's also a legend at the Prem Predictions game. She's knocking us all into a tin hat. Hello, Claire. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Uh, Daryl, Daryl, another uh, Daryl, Daryl like me is a as a, a kind of a, a kind of a problem with the old betting apps. He he like me mm-hmm. stupidly puts faith in West Ham, who let us down every week, don't they, Daryl? They do indeed. <laughs> Evening, guys. Evening. Yeah, don't. I'm having a nightmare on the Prem predictions. Oh, it I is. know, mate. It's a long season. That's all I can say. You know, have faith. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll yeah, come yeah. good. A, we'll come good. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely right. Uh, we've also got uh, from Canada another Canadian, uh, Claire and Tim. You'll be delighted to know we've got Ash Ash Pinto, another long time Chelsea fan cast sufferer. I think I should call you. How are you, mate? Pretty good, doing well yourself. I'm, uh, I'm honoured to be here always, once again. So. Always good, mate. Always good. And uh, yeah. we've also got the lovely Tim McConnell as well. Uh, I was going to say no relation, but of course there is a relation. There is a relation, you know. Honestly, Tim, how are you? I'm good. How's everybody doing? Yeah, we're good, mate. We're good. Looking forward to this. Now, we've also got Giorgio uh, Gregorus in, who I can't see because they've not got their video up and they're, they're muted. But I'm going to say, hello, Giorgio. Lovely to have you with us. So there you go. All right. So um, I think it's probably he's, he's given us a thumbs up, which is great. Now, um, I think the best thing to do is we're going to read an email out first so it gets us all going. And then while you think of questions to ask, either people on Patreon or people in Mixler, get them going in the respective chat rooms and then we'll build up a few questions. All right. So, Jonathan, do you want to kick off with the first email? Oh, my God. Where is it? Help, help. With this every week, you could set your clock by it. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. No, it's the other one. It's no, it's the, the other, other one. one. You're, you, you can Here read the are. script um, again if you want. Paul Schrag. Paul, Paul Schrag. Paul Schrag. Paul Schrag, hi Chidge, JK, all the immaculate guests. Hey guys, you're all immaculate, all of you. Well done. Massive Chelsea fan here in Vancouver, um, BC. What does that mean? Guys? British Columbia. Mean? Vancouver. Oh, British Columbia. Well done. I'm so ignorant. I can't believe it. British Columbia, Canada. Oh, yeah, to such an extent that Claire's gone. Claire's gone. Claire, Claire is so insulted by my. Oh, she's back. <laughs> she's back. <laughs> she's back. Um, uh, oh, I've got back to welcome to the Chelsea fancast. Help! No, no, here I am. Um, this has its uh, massive Chelsea fan here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. This has its benefits and drawbacks. We have Dazen. Is that streaming service? Is that what it's called, guys? Dazen. Yeah. The Dazen streaming service. So I'm able to catch every Chelsea game live, even if it means the occasional 4:30 a.m. wake up to watch. Wow. The downside is I have one other mate who's a supporter. We're surrounded on all sides by Arsenal assholes yes in fact my buddies three other brothers are all arsenal fans which is always good fun when we inevitably wipe their smug smiles off their faces other than the cup final of course but i wanted to say thank you for feeding my addition of all things my addition surely addiction of all things chelsea you and the boys over at london is blue help me feel like i'm staying connected to the team that i've loved for the last 20 or so odd years um, I was hoping to, I could get your thoughts, especially Chidge and JK, on two specific things in terms of the long term and a more intimate look at the boys of blue. First off, the Tottenham show, All or Nothing, gave fans of the Premier League a decent look into the inner workings of a Premier League side, 
or seemed to at the very least. We've also seen shows like Hard Knocks where the NFL and countless others that give a look behind the curtains of, a, of professional sports. Seeing the boost that it gives as far as fandom and all those good things. Would you like to see a show made like that for Chelsea? If so, where would you want, to, want it to focus? Meaning more on the managers and the business side or the team cohesion and players or the youth? And finally, what would you think would be a good name for the series? I personally think that All or Nothing was perfect to the Spurs, since that's basically what you get out of Mourinho. You either get all his uniqueness or nothing, because his players stop buying into his thinking. Secondly, I was hoping to look forward with this current season. Now that the side is relatively set till January, with a few here's and there's still to settle. We have a good idea of what we're looking at. I'm wondering if getting out of the Carabao Cup when we did wasn't actually a blessing in disguise. No, I don't like losing ever. Besides international breaks, we're looking at an already tough schedule ahead. Getting out of that cup spares us a few games played so we can focus on the league and possibly pressing for a top two spot, Champions League and FA Cup, which is what we should really be shooting for as silverware this season. With the Champions League draw we've got, we should also have a bit of a better time easing the team into the competition instead of having to play heads up against one of the monsters of the tournée. The other relieving aspect of the group stage is that we get what should be our toughest competition in the group stage halfway out of the way first. Taking on Sevilla in the first game should really give us a benchmark of how we stack up and will help set the tone for the rest of the group stage. If we take off in that match, we're sending the signal to the rest of the group they'll really need to up their game or be hard-pressed to make it out alive. Personally, I think getting out of the Carabao Cup early sets us up better than some of the top-of-the-table clubs towards the end of the season because we can wipe out a few fixtures that would wear the boys down even more. It also allows Frank the chance to add that importance of FA Cup and champions. Finally, everyone has their favourite player of the past, and normally it's from when we started watching the boys in blue. Uh, of, or someone who was truly special to them. Who is that for you and what made them connect with you? I've had players I've absolutely loved, Lampard, Drogs, Joe Cole, Essien. But for me, I've absolutely loved <laughs> Hernan Crespo. He came in right around the same time I started really getting into Chelsea and he took over for the colossal mistake that was Adrian Mutu. Love what you guys are doing. Keep making me laugh, smile, wince and think. Paul Schrag. <clears throat> good good one good one then i actually don't think i, I i'm not pleased with us going out of the uh of the carabao i just don't like us going out of, of anything but it, uh, it also would have given an opportunity to play different sides um which he won't really have as much of an opportunity to do so so to give people who haven't been playing in the first team a chance to uh to just get some i mean i'm worried about Giroud for the season for example i'd like him to be to have had an, a competition to play in um as he did in the uh um in the in the Europa League, really, that sort of kept him sane and revealed that he was still a terrific player. Uh, and I'm I'm worried about him generally. I don't quite know how he fits into all of this at the moment, but um, but let's see. But um, what else? Yes. Yeah, so I'd rather we hadn't gone out, but that was just down to uh, um, you know uh, the odd moment of idiocy and lack of concentration, which is what we've been suffering from a bit. And what other questions? The the thing about the all or nothing. It's 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 the title they've given them though, isn't it on um, on Netflix? So because uh, they did the same title for Man City, so I suspect if we did something, it would have to be the same if it was them offering to put the money up for that. But uh, I'd like to like it to be in on the tactics. I'd like to see the the teams being drilled by 
um, down to the youth to what, what kind of stuff they're they're doing with them. Sorry, tactics on the training. I'd like them all be doing um, rather than seeing the business side of things. I don't think we'll ever get an opportunity to see what's going on business-wise with Chelsea, other than perhaps a shot of the board boardroom one at one time. But there won't be anything like that. It's too too much of a close shot with Abramovich being involved. Um, uh, I don't think they're going to give anything away like that. But yeah, uh, I, I, that that makes me also worry about why there ever, if there ever would be a um, a similar kind of uh, of documentary. And if it did so, I don't think it'd be very revealing. I think it would be very much of a of a um, the tip of the iceberg of what's going on, and we wouldn't get the the, the whole basis of it. But um, uh, who's, your, who's your favourite player from the favourite player of all time in the past? It's Hullet. I thought it'd be Huey Gallagher. Yeah, well, it ought to be, but I don't think anybody or would Jack have Cock would be more remember Jack Cock would be remember or George Hilston, someone yeah. like that, or even Fatty Falk. Fatty Falk. Yeah. Fatty Falk. Yeah, yeah. You, no, you and him used to go out drinking in the in the in the old days. We you? did, we did. I was as fat as him for a yeah, period. Yeah, I know. Before, yeah, you, yeah. before you went on your keto diet, mate. Absolutely, it yeah. was keto diet. Yeah, and I, and I had an allotment as well. I took a lot of working in the allotment. Oh, oh, oh! Cheap jibe, Terence. Cheap jibe. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Phil, that's a, uh, sorry, Paul, that is a, a, an exceptionally tip top email. Um, I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to let Dan and Dane uh, have a say on answering uh, your points. I will then do do likewise. And then uh, if anybody who's in uh, Patreon would like to comment as well, I'll bring you guys in. Just let me know if you want to comment on any of that. So, uh, Dane, do you want to kick off? Oh, sorry, I was on mute. I, I was, uh, I, I mean, in two-way conversation can you start again yes would you like to sorry i've got an estate agent trying to ring me have you yeah okay <laughs> all right is that I, a good I, or I... a bad thing is that good or a bad thing dane oh good thing it. very good thing, okay. good thing. Okay. work it this time it must be a good thing i i, yeah. I genuinely had no comment to make on that which is very sorry annoying. sorry yeah I, you threw me totally um, I, I rang him i rang him at four o'clock and he's decided to get back now which is a little bit inconvenient well there you go i funnily enough just as we were going to air i got rung by my old boss at love sport radio which was really interesting, and I and I couldn't really talk to him. I said, I'm about to go on air, mate, in a minute. He said, well, I'll just do it, like, just a minute. And I said, you hesitated, so you have to wait till tomorrow morning. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. I am Nicholas Parsons. Uh, anyway, uh, Dane, do you want to answer any of Paul's points? Do you want to... Oh, what, my... was, that the first, was that the first email? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny, yeah, because I picked up on, on, on him getting up early to watch Chelsea, which I always found funny, because I remember when I've, when I've been in the States, I was over there for Wenger's famous thousandth game against us. I think it was on like 9.30 in the morning whilst we were having breakfast. Uh, it was quite funny, you know, just the ritual of getting up and uh, and watching Chelsea so early. Favourite old player? Yeah, I remember us talking the other week about Crespo. He didn't get a lot of goals for us, but his movement to this day, as Jonathan always said, as well as Viali, his movement to this day was world-class. When you're there and watching him off the ball, the runs he would make, and he, he didn't get... They didn't find him a lot. I think his best was about 16 or 17 goals, maybe. Uh, but his movement was absolutely amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, the All or Nothing seasons. Uh, I think they've been going for about 10 years now. I think they started with a couple of American football teams. I think I can remember uh, Cardinals and Michigan. Uh, you know, they are a good series to watch. Chelsea did do one similar about... Was it Mourinho's first season? Yeah, do you know what? I was I was going to mention that, Dane. Blue Revolution. Was that it? Yeah, I was trying to find it, was, it quickly on Amazon. I was, did remember watching it. Club it was TV, wasn't it? Yeah, it came mm. out. It came out. No, it was a proper documentary. But in those, yeah. in those days, they didn't do 
uh, kind of, like Netflix wasn't around then, if you remember. No, this this was just a this was a well. I mean, this is weird because I was working at Nuts TV at the time, which is why I remember it because I got invited to the premiere of it, which was held in the uh, you know the cinema in in Fulham Broadway's um, you know kind of multiplex shopping thing. You know where the where the station is, the chief station is. There's a cinema there, right? So that's where it was held, and all a lot of the players were there, um, and so was Mourinho. And uh, I mean, you know, I was kind of because I was kind of press. I was supposed to like hang around and ask questions, and like, I couldn't really be asked. I had a few beers, um, and uh, I'm kind of hanging around where all the players are coming through at the end in the kind of the mix zone. And I saw Jose, and I shouted at him because I thought I'll have a word with Jose, and he just he 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 looked really miserable, uh, you know, just really sullen, looking down at his feet. Hard didn't acknowledge me. Not that I kind of expected him to. Anyway, I went home and my phone was absolutely buzzing because uh, Jose, that was the night that Jose oh, got the tin yeah. tack the first time round. So it was in September 2007. So there you go, a little bit of weirdness. But it was a, it, it came out as a DVD. It was never on Netflix yeah. or anything like that. But it was, it was a similar season. kind of thing. Yeah, the whole season. Yeah, and yeah. you showed him like he did, like he, like he, I haven't really watched for Tottenham. I can't bring myself to watch no, it. No, I haven't either. Yeah. My sons have watched it and I've come in, in and out of the front room. And it's similar to that. You see him sitting down in front of the TV screen explaining tactics. And the Chelsea one, yeah, is really good. Obviously, it's going to be dated. But, uh, uh, well, what, yeah, I said about Crespo. I, if I had a top three favourite players, you never forget your boyhood, Kerry Dixon. But yeah. I've never been more happy when we signed Hullet on Viali. And what else? Did he say anything else? That was it. I think you got oh, the Caribou okay. Cup. Caribou Cup. Going out of the Caribou Yeah, no, Cup. like Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was fuming. I, th- I thought we did... We didn't play great in the second half, but I thought we did enough. Uh, we just went asleep for that, you know, final seven minutes and let them get in at the far post. So I was, I like Jonathan Yell, yeah, was disappointed to lose to them and then see them get so cocky by beating United. Uh, and Mourinho had quite a few things to say after that as well, didn't he? About what a surprise. After, you know, a couple of digs. So, yeah. uh, Dan. Yeah. Um, Carabao Cup, I agree with the, the lads. I think it was a good opportunity for a trophy and disappointed we went out. I think we really could have kicked on. And, you know, like Mourinho's first spell, winning the the, the, uh, the cup at the time, just gave the, all the players that winning mentality. So it'd be really good to get that sort of February time we get to business end of the season. So that was obviously disappointing. Um, all or nothing now, I wouldn't like it. I think it's heavily sanitised. And I'd much rather laugh at, you know, the misfortunes of others and laugh at our own. I don't, I don't think it'd be a good idea. And as JK said, I don't think we'd ever get anything TV worthy because of, because of, you know, how, how much of a closed shop it is upstairs. Mm. Um, players, I mean, Kerry Dixon as well. He's, he's my first hero. I mean, him, Pat Nevin. And then I guess, uh, I really like John Spencer for a bit. Cause I thought, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Just that little thuggish strike. He's really good. And then the, the modern day, I mean, you could pick a, you know, the last 15 years, you could pick a squad of 17 or 18 players he absolutely loved. You know, Ashley Cole, uh, JT, Frank, Didier. I mean, I was a huge fan of Ida Johnson. Mm. Really liked him. He was an absolutely quality player. Mm. And the little cameos like Crespo coming on, Eto for a season. I thought Anelka was good. In fact, you know, last 15 years, it's hard to pick, to pick everyone, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so I've got to try to remember what the questions were now. Am I disappointed with us going out of the Caribou Cup? Yes, of course I am, because we lost to Spurs, which is just not allowed to happen, even though we didn't lose them. And I remember when we covered the game, you lot with us tonight will remember this, I very erroneously or stupidly forgot to mention that Jose Mourinho 
in this is a very Jose Mourinho comment actually, but Jose Mourinho has still not beaten Frank Lampard as a manager. <laughs> nah. Uh, which is true. But I hated yeah. going out to that. Lot. It was the Charlton game, wasn't it, when we drew 1-1 yes. and he said, yes. we have not lost this year. We have not lost. We are still have not lost. Penalties do not count. Yeah. And uh, what's my other favourite one? Uh, the best... German now. Shut <laughs> up. Shut... I can mute you too, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's within my power. I'm not going to do it now. You've put me off my game, so I'm just not going to do it. Anyway, no, I don't I don't like the fact that we went out the Carabao Cup. Although I do, I, do, I mean, blessing in disguise... <laughs> Well, we'll have less games and it's going to be a frantic season. We're going to have two games a week for most of the season because of the way they've crunched together. But I'm kind of with Jonathan on this. I think it would have been a really good opportunity to, you know, give game time to to kind of some of the squad players, which might be harder to do now. But there you go. Um, the all or nothing, I kind of uh, answered that. But like Dan, I, I'd, I'd hate this, actually. I mean, just look at the... Because it's very different from when they made Blue Revolution. And as somebody who's made a few films and a few documentaries... And a few reality shows as it happens. Um, it's very different now to what it was 13 years ago. All, you know, Blue, um, Blue Revolution was much more of a documentary, uh, kind of a, what do they call it, fly on the wall documentary. <clears throat> very different style and a much slower in pace. The things that are happening now, it's all all sensationalism. It's, it's all got, got to have drama, tension, jeopardy, all this nonsense that I used to get barked at by executive producers in the past and therefore it's very contrived and the worst thing about it from my point of view is that just just look at what we all think of all or nothing or the Liverpool or being Liverpool or being Brendan as it should have been called or or the Pep Guardiola one or the Sunderland one it's embarrassing it's embarrassing because broadcasters don't want saccharine nothing happening, very boring, dull, this is really great, positive stuff TV. They want you to look like a complete burke. So they'll make sure that you do. Even if you have got any sort of editorial clout, they will. So I think we should give it a massive swerve and keep a bit of mystique about us. And the last point, uh, favourite players. I mean, for me, my first favourite player was Ray Wilkins, without a doubt. Um, uh, But, you know, Kerry is is a very close second to that. I think um and I'm just so 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 privileged that I that I got to know uh both of them so well. I mean I got to know Ray very well. I worked with him uh for a long time during the World Cup uh finals in 2006 and he's an he was an absolute gentleman. I really loved him to pieces. Uh, and Kerry of course has become a really really great mate and I I pinch myself every day saying how lucky I am that that that's happened. So it would be it would be Ray first, Kerry a very close second. Um now would anybody in Patreon Probably very easy now. I mean, I know actually um, Alex has made a has made a, a couple of points. Um, actually, Alex and, and, and Bobby did both make points. So, Alex, would you like to raise your point first? Um, yeah, normally I'd agree with Kiddo on the you go into a cup because you want to win it. Um, plus, it is an opportunity to for the um, for the players who don't get on regularly to have a good game, you know, like Giroud did against Barnsley. However, we've got a very compressed season um, and we've got the Champions League around the corner and the games are going to be coming even thicker and faster. So not that I would have wanted to go out of the cup, but if that's off a a schedule, as you would say, (laughs) uh, I I think, um, 
you know, we're going to be getting plenty of action with the Champions League and um, we, we really don't want to run the risk of injuring anybody who matters like yeah. Kante. Yeah, so you kind of, kind of agree with Paul in a sense on that point, Alex, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah again, in a normal season, you know, that was two, three months longer, you you would want to, you would want the Caribou Cup if only for one to help you maintain momentum, but also just to give those players who don't get full games all the time to get a proper run out, you know, like Hudson and and uh, Giroud and people like that. But uh, I think this season is just going to be weird enough as it is. So yeah, fair enough, Dane. You wanted to pipe in, mate. Yeah, just a quick point. Yeah, I actually sort of changing my opinion again now because I. <laughs> By what Alex said and what I actually said a couple of weeks ago, which I forgot, you know, Carabao Cup is good to play the youngsters. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, they're in two separate bubbles, so we couldn't play them anyway. Uh, so by going out, you're, you're right. You know, we're, we're not going to put extra strain on that first team who are in a separate bubble to the youngsters. So it's a good point. Doesn't the bubble change when we're in the Champions League? I, I don't know if they're bringing certain players over. Uh, I don't know because then they've got to go back to play their under twenty threes because they're you know just because they're going to be in the Champions League squad don't mean they're going to then then they'll be playing no football because they're not going to get into the uh, team or on the bench really are they some of the uh, the ones who've been brought in to make up the numbers so yeah it's a difficult one but at the moment there is two separate bubbles. Hmm. Uh, Bobby D, you uh, you also make a point um, about Jose. Yeah, well, first of all, it's all turning a bit West Ham with all these bubbles going around, isn't it? <laughs> but, but Jose always put, um, Jose Mourinho always put a big focus on the first trophy and winning that first trophy. And I think it would have been good for Lampard to get that monkey off his back and have some silverware in the cabinet. Um, but, you know, it's not going to happen now, but I think it would have been good for us to also have a good day out of Wembley and stuff. I'm, well, apart from the fact we won't be at Wembley because we won't be allowed to. I, I, I totally. Do you know what? I agree with you, a hundred percent. Because, you know, realistically, <clears throat> there's only two trophies I think that we had a chance of winning this season. One was the Caribou Cup, the other's the FA Cup, and you know that's already gone down by fifty percent, which is not a good thing. Um, real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. I don't think, just, just checking actually, uh, uh, no more questions from the, uh, the Patreon people for a minute. Um, we've got a few in from Mixler. Uh, so the first one that struck my eye, I, I actually think this is a good time to talk about this because this is this has got right up my jacksy and I'm likely to explode if I talk about it. So maybe I'll just mute myself. Uh, but the lovely Steve Mower, who we love to pieces. Um, Steve, I hope you're well, mate. I miss I miss seeing you in the Atlas for a pint after a game, mate. It's like so like so many people I, I know at Chelsea, but uh, lovely to hear from you. Um, basically, Steve's question is simple. Big Six Project debacle. Discuss. Um, I'm going to, I mean, I know Dan's been ripping, ripping it on uh, on Twitter as he loves to do. So I'm going to give the first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Dan explode before I do. 
<laughs> I just think it is the worst self-serving load of bollocks I've ever heard in my entire life. The whole beauty about football is unpredictability, you know, like... Leicester Glorious Wigan. unpredictability. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can get your last minute win the FA Cup, all those amazing things. Blackpool one season in Premier League. You need that for football. No club has a divine right to get top six, qualify for Europe, win the league. If you're not good enough, tough shit. If you don't come ninth, tough shit. They still get the revenue. One or two bad seasons doesn't mean the revenue's going to drop. And if they go to support Man City, so what? I just, I just think it's absolutely appalling. Relegation, promotion, the playoffs. And if you don't support teams, you watch playoff finals, really exciting. It's what it's the beauty of football. And I think a lot of Chelsea fans, you know, feel the same. I think Ken Barkway put something on Twitter today saying, you know, <clears throat> be amazed how many Chelsea fans don't like this issue, even though we're a top six team. I just everything about it stinks of money, stinks of Going towards sort of the American model where there's no promotion, no relegation, dropping two teams, dropping the League Cup. I mean, that's how Chelsea started their modern success. The League Cup went under Jose. Is it any coincidence it, that it's Fenway and Glazers? Well, of course, yeah, because and Cronkies um, uh, got involved as well at Arsenal. I, I just think these got these clubs are so rich, so wealthy. I mean, and then you've got Rick Perry getting involved because it's going to be 250 million pounds, you know, dropping down the leagues, which is you know, three being in a club or something like that, then you've got no parachute payments. You know, <clears throat> one less team getting relegated and getting to playoffs. So if you're the 18th best team in the Premier League, you've got a very good chance of actually getting through the playoffs and then no one gets promoted. I think everything about it is absolutely shit. It's not broken, don't try and fix it. It's all oh, bollocks. It, 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 Dan, I mean, I, do you, do you, would you look like an exclusive? Just nod if you want to and just say piss off, Chidge, if you don't. Chidge, can no. we have an exclusive, okay. please? <laughs> I can play you. This this hopefully will be going out on TalkSport's breakfast show tomorrow. There's a good chance they may edit it and not put it out at all. So I'm just going to play you what I, I said to them earlier. I don't know about Project Big Picture, Project Big Con more like. This has nothing to do with saving the EFL and everything to do with ring-fencing the top club's success both on and off the pitch. Basically saying to the EFL, we'll rescue you by bunging you lots of cash if you sign up to never threatening to break up the established football order. It's no surprise that the leading players in this are American owners, as this is what happens in the States. Leagues with no relegation, follow the money, not the heart, all the power held by a rich few, and ring-fence your success so you can continue to grow your brand and increase your profit. For them, it's not football or sport, just entertainment and making more and more money. They've got no understanding that the pyramid is what makes the English game special, and that what drives this is competition. What they're proposing is the antithesis of the English game. And if we as supporters do not stand up to them, just quietly accept it. And the game as we know it in this country will be gone forever. Just another franchise to be sold off and marketed to America. Yeah, I, I will be standing for election, by the way, very shortly. But uh... Yeah, and that's absolutely spot on. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's not becoming football anymore. I mean, I, I'm thinking to myself, this does really happen. I'm going to really seriously consider if I still want to go watch football because... I want the competitive edge. I want to get beaten by Bradford in the FA Cup from time to time. I want to lose at home to QPR. I, I want that unpredictability. I don't want the the top six to keep keep all keep all the cake. Leicester winning the league well, at the expense of Tottenham was brilliant for Leicester and brilliant for us because Tottenham shitted it up. There is nothing. I mean, I don't know if anybody's been watching this. This really applies to. And by the way, I almost got a round of applause there. I'm absolutely overwhelmed by that. That's the first time that's ever happened on the fan. It was thunder, Chidge. Okay, right, right. It was me. It was me. Did you applaud? 
Yeah, I did. Actually. You did. I do love you, JK. It was me and Rob. It was just the two yeah. of us. It's not true what I say about you at all. I love you absolutely, <laughs> unconditionally. Um, I completely lost my thread now, but um, you know, I think it's 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 absolutely insidious, and it it's no accident um, that. And I'm ashamed. I have to say, you know, this is absolutely being driven by Fenway Group and the Glazers, and no doubt Cronkare will be involved, because as I, the point I was making is this is how it works in the States. They do not understand this game like we do in England. You know, this game was born out of the community for the community. It means a lot yeah. more than winning and losing. It really, really does. And, I mean, in the States, I mean, we've got some, some, some people who are from the States, from North America. They know what we're talking about here. In the States, okay, the Brooklyn Dodgers, I rest my case. You know, because somebody buys it, franchise fc they move it to la and it happens all the time um the um the, the los angeles american football team is another one that moved somewhere wasn't it you know it's it hap- yeah happens yeah. all the time that is an anathema to this country what makes this country special in terms of its football is this pyramid and basically what uh, the fenway group and cronkier and the glazers are doing are is they're bribing the efl because they've been guilt tripped into doing it they said a week ago that they didn't want to support the EFL because they viewed them as competitors. And this is what they're doing. This is what big global organisations do. They eradicate the competition to ring-fence their profit. And this is what this is all about. And and, and like Dan said, I, I, we, are in, we are in danger. If this gets anywhere near a happening, it's not just going to protect... I mean, and I'm ashamed as a Chelsea fan because they're privy to this too. They, they, they'll vote for this. Absolutely. Because they're the same. They are not a football club anymore. They're a global brand. They do not give a shit about us. It's about the money. And they'll sign up to this, be under no illusion about that. Um, and if they, if they do, if this goes through, this is, that's it. It's the end game. The game is over. It's over as a, as a, as a, 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 you know, a, a competition in any shape or form. There'll be a European Super League. It'll all be on pay-per-view. So Chelsea will have their own pay-per-view channel, the, the, the rest of it. That is, I mean, if you want that, fine. It's not what I want. And I think I'm with you, Dan. I, I'm, do you know what? I said to the missus uh, this morning, I said, uh, I'll end up going going watching Winchester City uh, yeah. down the road. And she said, I'll, I'll, I'd come to that, she said. <laughs> so she'd be up for that. So, you know, we are, this is an existential threat to the game as we know it. And this has been mission creep from the start. This is the writing for this has been on the wall for 10, 15 years. And with the influx of the American owners in particular, this is a real, real danger that, that the sport in this country will end up like it is in America. And most of this is sorry, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. I would just go off on one. But I, I mean, you know, we've got Shane in here tonight. Alex has lived in the States for a long time. I've got so many American friends, as has Dan. Ash is in, uh, you're in Canada, aren't you, Ash? Yeah. You know, so the reason why so many of the American friends that I've got that love Chelsea support Chelsea is because it is the antithesis to what they grew up with in American sport. And what they recognised about English football was that it was so uniquely different, that it wasn't franchise, it wasn't about the money, it was about the people who went. It was about the people who supported it through generations and generations, going to the same ground that's been there for 150 years, that's been in the same community. That's what sets us apart. And these fuckers are going to take it down the American route. Are they therefore not caring about the uh, the English fan base at all? Is this making this into a, a the idea to make it into a worldwide success? Is that what they're dealing I mean, with? But, because people just won't watch it. That's, that's what will happen. Well, they, that they will. The, the problem is they will watch because people 
love football don't necessarily have the affiliation to clubs that we do. They can, you know, some you see some you people. Really like mother, sport, anybody will watch rather than fans. You mean anybody? I said, globally, I think they do. I mean, you, th- you see some Twitter profiles. They support four teams. You know, they don't, they think nothing twice of maybe you know Chelsea are a bad season, so we're going to go support Man City, so on and so forth. And also the Premier League, uh, this whole way, especially the impact of coronavirus. You know, if this has an impact for two, three, four years in terms of people going to travel. No one's going to come over here and see the games. They're going to rely on on, on TV deals. I just think the whole the whole thing is just is is it's killing the it kills the game. And I, you know, if it does happen, I won't hesitate to support my local team. Right, Alex has got it very. This is what I like. You see, they're so well disciplined. J.K. Alex put his hand up. That's what I like to see. Alex, you've got a point to make. Oh yes, headmaster. Um, <laughs> I, I, that makes for a great story. It's love. You know, it's the the. Uh, the point of view Chidge expressed is, you know, quite a quite an old one I've been hearing for a while. Um, if you're Fenway Group, um, the Glazers, I think, are uh, an evil on the pox of the sport, and uh, um, the Edwards family have a lot to answer for there. Fenway, um, they've actually been pretty good stewards of the of the. Um, Red Sox. Of the of, of the team, they 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 resurrected the Red Sox over here, um, without without like moving them out to some mega ugly stadium. They put in, you know, they were told, you know, you can't. They have a very tiny stadium. Fen- by Fenway Park's one of the one of the oldest and original Fenway, baseball. Fenway Park, isn't it? It, Fenway Park is a national treasure. Yeah, yeah. They mess with it. They they found ways to put in seats. Had an extra tier without spoiling the oh, stadium. They're on, they're on houses, aren't they? Over the other right. side of I the mean, road, on the roofs, aren't they? Well, there there are nightclubs across the street, so you know they're they But you've got terracing on people's roofs, haven't you? Right. Yeah, you but have. then on on top of that, what Fenway did was just take a franchise that was not run well at all um, and ran it properly. Um, and as a result, and you know the. You know, you don't get a more traditional fan base than the Boston Red Sox fan. I mean, you know, they, if you if you were in Boston, you would recognise Boston as a sports city in the same way that, yeah. you know, we are for Chelsea. Um, so they didn't come in and mess it up and NBA and and um, jack up the prices ridiculously. They just came in and ran it properly and did scouting. So I'm not going to begrudge Fenway's introduction into uh, the BPL. Having, having said that, I think the rot was set in when the old European Cup became the beginnings of a Super League because you know something had to give. But you, you know why you, that you, happened, you, don't you, Alex? Well, television, yeah, sure. Well, no, no, I mean, no, 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 no. The reason why the Champions League, uh, kind of uh, the second iteration of it, if you like, yeah. the reason that happened was UEFA trying to hold back the pressure of the G14 to break right. away into European Super League. So UEFA changed the rules to allow more people to make more money to stave right. that off. My point is that it's an inevitability because the clubs yeah. are the ones that have the power and the money. Granted, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, when things return to normal, if, um, you know, we show we support cups like the FA Cup and the what I used to call the League Cup, if we show up to those games as, as passionately as we do other games, I mean, obviously the Spurs game, it's easy to get passionate about playing Spurs, but 
off the, you know, like Barnsley. I, you know, I, I watched highlights on YouTube later. I didn't, I didn't wake up that morning saying, I can't wait to see, you know, Chelsea smack Barnsley. Um, because the gulf's really that big. When you can put out, you know, basically your reserve side, and they, they didn't really hit second gear, you know, and, and no fault of Barnsley, they, they were gamers, but the, the, the gulf between the two causes a problem as a spectacle. But uh, yeah, as an old school fan, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, getting excited for Chelsea Stoke back in the day. Um, I remember, you know, Norwich having a go in the League Cup, all those uh, very fond memories of that. And it was, uh, it was um, League Cup final was almost like, yeah, the season's getting serious now. Um, however, the, you know, when you pack the schedule as much as you do now, you know, um, I can't get too angry at the big clubs saying, you know, this is... Well, I, I tell you, know, you what, Alex, I mean, you know, look, just, just to kind of to su sum it up, um, I, I take your point about the Fenway group and the, and the Red Sox. You know, I, 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 I couldn't argue against that because you're absolutely spot on with what you say there. Um, but they've, they've, you know, they are doing... The, the underlying point to what I was saying is there's a huge, there's a huge difference between sport as we know it, and entertainment and global uh, branding, which is what it's become. And Fenway, whether we like it or not, are very much part of that. They would not have bought a football club if that wasn't the case, oh. and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect their investment. It's no coincidence to me. I mean, here, it, actually, do you know what? There's a weird parallel between Chelsea and the Boston Red Sox here. What, what, what the Fenway Group did for the Boston Red Sox was they brought them success for the first time in about 80 years. What, they, what, what Roman Abramovich did for us was bring us, you know, title-winning success for the first time. We sold our soul, and I think, you know, me, Dad, all of us here will have, would admit this if we were being honest with ourselves. We have sold our soul because Roman has brought us lots of success. There's no doubt about that. We have given away, seeded a lot, and kept us in business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't forget that. Yeah, don't kept us no, we were solid. I was there, Alex. We were a week away from yeah. going going out when right. uh, when uh, when Forrest Gump, also known as Jesper Gronkow, scored that yes. goal. But um, Liverpool are the same. You know, they brought a Premier League title to Liverpool for the first time in 30 years. What they don't want, what the Fenway Group either don't want and don't need is for Liverpool to have another 30 years of obscurity, relative obscurity. What United do not need is for not to be able to win a Premier League title for, for another 25 years. So they, they at, the, at the peak of their success, in a sense, will now try and protect that. And in my head, that's what they're trying to do with this. All right? Now, there are a few other people who want to make a few points, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them in. Tim, uh, Daryl, uh, 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 Ash, Ash. Right, your point first, mate. There you go. Well done. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So I was just mentioning with the sports over here, I was I was shocked quite a few years ago when a lot of my friends started getting really into the NFL and picking their teams, but which I didn't know, never really got into it because um, they're doing all the fantasy football, uh, NFL and all that stuff was I'd go for the Super Bowl parties because why not? Good time, get together. And year after year, as certain players maybe would change teams, my friends would be wearing like another team's jersey with that player's name on it. And I was like taken back because I'll wear my Chelsea jersey or kit and 
that's all I'll ever wear. I will never put on another, another one. And I couldn't understand how like last year they were supporting the new England Patriots and the next year they were wearing a different team's Jersey. It just, it, I didn't understand it, but I guess that's being raised by like British parents myself. I never really been exposed to the North American way and they didn't know it either. Cause they've only been here for, in Canada for 30 years. So (laughs) it was, it was surprising. Yeah. Good stuff. Now I got Tim, Tim first, then Claire second. Both of you made excellent points. Oh yeah. I mean, I think both of these clubs have American owners is really a salient one because like the culture around sport is so different here. Um, like you have no opportunity to develop a relationship with your club. We don't have supporters trusts. Um, there's no regulation on ticket prices. So it's impossible unless you're super, super rich to actually go and see your team play. Like I used to be a huge hockey fan. Um, our hockey team in Toronto is the Maple Leafs and we're like consistently probably the worst team in the league. And we have the most expensive tickets of any team. It's it's outrageous. Uh, by, by the way, Tim, sort of butt in, but the Maple Leafs that were um, the chief executive of whom was Guy Lawrence, who is now the chief executive of Chelsea. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I yeah, I had no, I had no idea. Um, be afraid. Be very afraid. I'm I'm very afraid yeah. because I've I've Maple seen Leafs. the sporting culture in Toronto and it's, it's non-existent. Mm. The majority of people who attend at least Maple Leaf games are like, uh, this is going to sound awful, which, but are bankers yeah, who have seats that they've gotten through companies and have no actual interest in watching the game. Um, so the atmosphere is consistently awful. Mm. So like thing that's modeled on that is like a very scary prospect. Yeah. Good point, Tim. Uh, Claire, um, you want to talk about some Liverpool nonsense, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Well, not, not I don't agree with Liverpool, but I agree that it's nonsense, obviously. <laughs> well, it just, this whole bullshit project, stupid, just makes me think of Liverpool in last year's FA Cup when they were playing Shrewsbury and there was a replay and it was at Anfield and Shrewsbury, you know, everybody would have gone and Shrewsbury would have got a whole shitload of money but, oh, the players have been promised their winter break. So off they went on their winter break. And then uh, and Klopp didn't even coach the game and all the youth played. And I just thought it was the ultimate in disrespect to, um, to the British game, which, you know, he, I have nothing against Klopp, but, you know, you're lucky to be coaching, quite frankly, in England. And the least you can do is respect the bloody competitions. And this just feels like exactly the same thing all over again. It's just like take away the heritage and everything that makes English football great. And it just makes me so mad. Yeah, good for you, Claire. I, I feel like applauding you, actually. I was thank even you, more passionate you. and erudite than my my waffle and ranting earlier on. Um, I think it might be time for another email, JK. Um, do, you, do you want me to do this one or would you like to, to have a bash? It doesn't really matter who reads it, so you might as well. Oh, thank you very much. Chris Castley, Chidge and the Boys. 
I've emailed before about how great the 50 years of Chelsea has been, especially as we're now into the 90s. Seeing the start of Chelsea becoming the team and club it is today starts now with the emergence of more homegrown players and the team pushing into the later stages of cup competitions. With that in mind, it was at JK's prompting that led me to watch the season reviews of 1989-90 and then 1991, just to see if they were as I remember them. I was 12 at the time, so my memory might be clouded. While the defence was as leaky as I remember, I'd forgotten how good Dave Besant could be in goal. There are numerous examples where across those two seasons, he was the difference between the team winning and losing. I think, as we said at the time, you need to get a decent goalkeeper between the sticks. But the evidence was there that he could also be a liability as <laughs> his career went on. The Wimbledon match where they lost 5-2 saw him make a horrendous mistake for Alan Court without even knowing he was about to score. score. This, of course, was a foretaste of what was to come in the 1992-93 Premiership season. While unlike a previous correspondent, I don't think he took a bung for the Norwich goals, Besson had already cocked up before that match with a rubbish clearance against Oldham leading to their equaliser before another mistake in the infamous Liverpool game, the one where Paul Elliott was injured by that twat Dean Saunders that led to their winner. By the time of the Norwich match, his confidence had already taken a battering. And while it wasn't the smartest piece of management by Porterfield calling Besson out like he did, I could understand why. As an aside to that match, my dad got home from it, was so incensed by the result, probably not helped by being 2-0 up, he actually rang Chelsea up, <laughs> got through to some poor woman still working in one of the Chelsea offices. Quite what she could do is another matter. However, dad basically screamed down the phone that he demanded Besson never play for Chelsea ever again before slamming the phone down. Happy days, Chris Castley, Maidstone. Well, he got his wish. So you never know, it may have just been, you know, um, Porterfield saying that to the press and him, him ringing up and complaining. That was it. They probably said we've had thousands of phone calls. They probably only had the one, which was him. Brilliant, but, brilliant. Uh, nice guy. I enjoyed that. Uh, well, I, I also feel guilty because I have an apology to make. So st we've, we've still got, uh, what was the last ones we've done? What, what have we just done? 91, we've done 1991, 91, 92, haven't we? Those are the last two we've done. I haven't edited them or put them up yet. I feel terrible because I've, that's the trouble. I've been out out in the garden, you know. Well, not the garden, down the allotment, digging, digging for victory. So I need to get on the case, and I'm very, very sorry about that. Um, plus the fact we had uh, actually that's a good time to plug these uh, these here books actually because I mean the other reason I didn't do it last week is I I interviewed the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, Walter Otten, which uh, that podcast went up on uh, on Friday because of course that he's was got... brilliant. Judge. You enjoy that. Was... that? I thoroughly enjoyed that. Walter is is top draw. He's a uh, he's a million dollars. Hearing him on the podcast and you you two, yeah, come off really well, yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah, I I I, re I I love him to pieces, and you know, one of the many people I miss uh, not seeing at the game. So it was a pleasure to speak to Walt. But uh, he's got a new book out. It's called Let the Celery Decide. As I said, I've got a podcast out about it, which went out on Friday. So that will give you a good flavour of what it's about. But I mean, briefly, he he in the book he recounts his experiences. Uh, of the Champions League semi-final second leg against Barcelona and the final in Munich and his kind of parallel struggle. He had a bit of mental health uh, struggles at that period of time and, he, and it parallels beautifully in the story that he tells. It's available uh, in paperback for £7.95 from Gate17 and Amazon as well as Kindle. And, and Marco's been uh, on it massively uh, this week because another two books have been released this weekend. The first one... Uh, is the ultimate Chelsea quiz book by uh, our very own Chelsea Chatter. 
uh, and it is nine nine one thousand nine hundred and five or nineteen oh five questions if you prefer to test your knowledge on the blues. Another one. It's actually this is only six ninety five for the paperback, which is great value. Uh, and that's available worldwide via Amazon. And the last but by no means least is Tales of the Chelsea Unexpected by Dave Johnson and uh, Neil Smith, or Only a Pound on Twitter, and Smithy East Stand. Both great old mates, as you well know. Uh, and they basically write about 40 amazing Chelsea matches against 31 different teams with a series of outcomes, scores and subsequent events that nobody could ever have predicted. And that is also available worldwide via Amazon price to $8.95 for the paperback and $2.95 for Kindle. Now, I will be interviewing Chelsea Chadder and I will be interviewing Neil Smith about those two books and they'll be coming out as separate podcasts in the fullness of time, i.e. very shortly. Um, very quickly, I'm just going to turn to Mixler, uh, because, uh, I've got a very random question here, which is, which is quite, quite a funny one. Adam Finnegan, how is the running going, Chidge? He says, I'm up to 20 minutes, 28 minutes straight now, started in August. You're doing better than me, Adam. I've had to kind of have a couple of weeks off occasionally or a week or a week off occasionally to heal inherent aching old man injuries. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm not doing bad. I'm still at it. I didn't go out this morning because I, I was so knackered from the allotment digging yesterday that I, I could hardly move. But uh, I'm up to three minutes. This week will be three minutes run, one minute walk. And then next week it's four minutes. I don't know how it works, but I'm nearly there. Basically, deadline day for me is November the 21st when I'm expected to run a 5K uh, without dying. That's the aim, you know. Uh, no heart attacks on that one, please. Or anything. Or injuries or hobbling. So there you go. But thank you for asking, Adam. Now, Dane says to me, he's got a left field inquiry from ye oldie Instagram. Yeah, I, 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 let me just get up. I just following on what you said about those books, you know, all those free. Twitter has like a really horrible side to it, but all those free who, who, who are behind those books make uh, Twitter, especially the Chelsea side of Twitter, enjoyable. So good luck to all of them. I hope they uh, sell bloody loads. Yeah. Lovely people. Yeah, they, people. yeah. Dane couldn't agree more anything we can do to help that uh, yeah to be fair all the books that uh, Marco gets involved with and helps publicise they're so you know they all deserve all the luck it's so hard to write a book and and they're top people as well really nice people Uh, this is from Johnny Mattock it's I think it's more for the uh, North American side because he's he's uh, quite frustrated with ESPN over there Uh, not got a lot to say about us but when you hear who's on it, especially Steve Nichol, you can say why. Uh, so it's hard for us to talk about it because we don't want to watch it. But obviously, if any any North Americans want to add, he said, you know, they, they're quick to praise Arsenal, Villa and, and Everton. They're very frustrating. They have nothing ever to say about us. Funny enough, Gab Marcotti, who, who's had quite a good relationship with us since the Italians came in, he, he, was, he had fairly few nice things to say. Uh, but yeah, Craig Burley, funnily enough, uh, Steve Nichol, never nice things to say about us. He says, thank God for the podcast, you know, every week he can't wait to hear it. He loves us guys. And if any of us are ever over in LA, he's going to buy us a Guinness. Yeehaw! I'm in. And he's, and he's going to take us to, I think, Warner Brothers Studios, where he works. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. do, do um, tap in my way, because... Uh... You know, I used to. I've been. Yeah, he, I've been to the Warner Brothers. I've not. I've not actually been inside it. I went to the Steakhouse Restaurant for a nice, a nice meal though, which is yeah, said, Clooney's restaurant. 
he said, give my best to Chidge and the gang. Maybe he'll, you know, get pluck up the courage and write an email. And he'll also give us a, guys a tour of Warner Brothers Studios where I work whenever he wants. And obviously, yep, hopefully he'll come over to London and either way he wants to buy us a Guinness, which obviously feels right into our remit, yeah. really. I mean, you know, you see, that's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm missing loads of people by not, you know, going to the matches and stuff right now, but, uh, you know, also traveling. And I love traveling and I haven't been to L.A. for a long time. And every time I've been to L.A., I've had such a great time. Uh, watching matches in the Fox and Hounds is where I tend to watch my football in Studio City. Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge, jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Right, I'm looking directly at our Patreon people now. Uh, whoever wants to ask a question needs to raise their hand because this is too complicated for me trying to look at 500 screens. Uh, screen. So who wants to... Alex, you, you put your hand up first, so off you go. Actually, this is more of a comment. Um, I actually re-listened to the, um, the podcast before the Walter um, podcast and Clayton mentioned that he thought Reese James should move up to midfield, which mm. I have wondered for a while because he doesn't great going forward, not such not so studious being a defender. Discuss. Well, what a perennial problem that seems to be. You know that that we can see we seem to be. I mean, even Liverpool with Trent Terence sorry Terence Trent Derby or whatever he's called. <laughs> you know, great going forward, not quite so good at the back, and it seems to be a perennial issue these days. And I have no idea why. I don't know is the answer to that. I mean, I think he came on as a wing back, didn't he, for England against Belgium last night? So I mean, maybe he is better suited there. I think it's. It's a worry because, you know, we do need a... I mean, I, I kind of pitched in this year as the heir apparent to Cesar Aspilicueta. He solves our right-back problem when Aspi finally toddles off, you know, which won't be too long given his age. But if Reese can't defend or he can't learn how to, then that worries me. But the one thing I would say, Alex, is that I still, you know, have captured in my heart forever Reese James's brilliant performance against Palace last season where he kept Zahar in his pocket and he and he, he didn't give him a sniff all match and, and Zahar was getting increasingly ratty about it which was always great to see so I, I do believe there is a defender in there somewhere but I don't know you know that there has to be a cutoff point doesn't there between well he's young and he'll learn and well actually no he has to deliver now I don't think we're at that point yet but I think in the future he does also, sorry Alex go on there's also like you know, as he as he goes along, we're seeing his strengths. Like he is capable of taking on Zahar and athletically staying with him. But mentality, you know, it's like what we've, you know, what we've let with when um, who is it? Ferreira was the right back, 
you know, he was just a solid right back. That was his job. That's what he knew how to do. And he did what he expected of a right back. Whereas mm. James maybe now, Alex, he can lose his concentration. Isn't there a different expectation now from what a right back can do? It's those. It's it's what um, Chilwell did when he came in the other day, which I, I was, as I said on the fan cast, I was taken aback by how excellent he was and how um, those swinging crosses. It's the uh, mm -hmm. Terence Trent uh, um, Arnold Derby. Um, Why don't you stay? Um, business. <laughs> that was lame. Do it again. Maybe, yeah, it ought to be much. But I know I was embarrassed slightly. They've heard you it are. Before. You You got stage fright, mate. I don't believe no, it. I didn't. Excuse me. You it so did. It was. It was not. It was because I'm going to do it. It was embarrassment because I thought <laughs> you're never normally the, embarrassed. It, well, it's because I was embarrassed by my having. It's about the tenth time I've done it. Surely I can come up with a better joke than that. You know, well, it's a different song. Why break the habit of a lifetime? Oh, you, what? No, that's cruel. Um, but uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Tell us, Trent Dub. Why don't you stay? Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to learn more of the lyrics. I can't remember them anymore. But I've got the album, so I'll. I'll I ha I've got the album too, actually. We're showing our age, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it about a fish? Isn't that what it's called? Is fish it? Isn't it? I can't remember. The I, can't remember. I, I might dig it out at half time just so to you prove must, it. You must play me something. Play me something on it. So you were saying, could I? Mr. Chairman. Correctly so. Correctly so. Um, this is what happens normally when we can't actually see or hear them. They're all saying, get on with it. Get on are, with it. Exactly, get right, on with exactly. it. The, it's the, uh, it's, it's the, the fact they have to be... Um, they have to be really competent attackers. And this is what I would say is the difference between um, between Dave and a right back who can, like, like um, Rhys James, who plays that wonderful ball into the box, which he does, because it gives so many opportunities for the for a supposedly honed attacker who is aware of what's going to happen. They may have, you hope they've trained it to put the ball in the net. And because Dave, you know, for all our love for him and his great defence and his 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 non-stop running and powerhouse behaviour as a great servant of the club has never been a great crosser of the ball. The number of times that he's hit the first man when we're thinking, oh, for goodness sake, just get it across, get it over. So in a sense, it's almost as if you can't quite get this, this wonderful combination of defence and attack. Well, Ashley Cole had it so that you can get it, but in the same way that... Um, uh, and Ashley Cole approved of Chilwell. And Chilwell the other day, I know he was given a lot of room and it's a slightly different playing against a side who aren't, aren't you know, top six. But Chilwell provided everything. He got back, he was unbelievably swift and he plays those curling crosses So uh, and gets in the box. So he's doing, you know, he, he's, he's doing what um, um, Alonso can't. And, you know, and Alonso, unfortunately, bless him, has just been found out nonstop as being a defender, which I, I hate because I love him as an attacker. He scored some of the great goals, Alonso, for me, of the past few years. The very fact we've got somebody who can do that. But then it's idiotic. In we have friendship. now. Chilwell. Well, we hope. We hope. Yes. Yeah, we think we have. Yeah. 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 JK, can I can I bring Bobby D in and, and then yeah, Dan? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. While, while Bobby D and Dan are speaking, the others like Ash and Daryl and Chain and Claire can think of another question to ask us. Bobby. Well, Rhys James hasn't even played a full season for us yet. So if you look at our defensive line, it's really been unsettled and there's been no experience in there to show him what to do. And I think with, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, the new defender that we've got now that has got loads of experience can actually tell him how to actually defend. Silver. And let's see how, yeah, and let's see how he goes. You know, not a full season and people are saying, I'll move him in midfield and move him other places. 
playing consistently and let's see where he goes. Mm. I mean, the errors that I've seen him um, do re watching him recently, he's very slow at picking the players up. Alonso has the same problem. I actually don't think that's his problem as a defender. I think that's the the defensive setup at the Blues at the moment. They're not telling them where to stand. It's we had this discussion the other day about the zonal, didn't we, Chidge? Whether it, they should be. Some of them were marking individually and zonally. It just means to, they seem to make bizarre choices. So the other day, Reese James went for nobody, and uh, I think uh, and. and and Emerson went for nobody. Now, surely that can't be that they're just dreadful defenders. Surely there must be something else going on there. So, no, I agree particularly with Reese James. We are we are coming in too soon about making a decision about him. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Bobby said. I think we need to get a solid defence, and now we've got a goalkeeper that's going to inspire more confidence with the defenders, and we need to judge him in sort of twenty games time when he's had a good run. But his versatility, if you know, if you want to bring him on, he's got the, the capability of playing both roles. So if we need to put him in, you know, to tie up a game, you can always bring on a defender and move Reese into sort of more sort of central midfield, defensive midfield role. I think so he's he huge him? potential. Will he pick him though, Dan? Because he didn't. He picked Dave the other day. Yeah, it was maybe listen, maybe he had, had a slight knock. It was tactical, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, let's it's, not, it's not a one to eleven game anymore. It's it's a squad game. So you know, you might. I think he'll play James against Southampton because they haven't got as offensive wingers as Palace have. Yeah, I think. I think you know. I think. What will be? I know it's like a, such a trite thing to say, really, isn't it? But uh, we are so going to know a lot more about this team by the end of the season. You know, I think a lot of things will be coming into place, and I al I also think that when we're not we we talked about this the other day, and I was a bit more optimistic than everybody else. But most of the people I had on the show with me said that we're only about fifty percent there yet. I think that there are more transfers to come down the line, and I and I really I in my heart of hearts call me a soppy old optimist. Uh, who who likes to dream? But I st I'm absolutely convinced that what Roman and Marino and all the rest of them are trying to do is to do what Liverpool and Klopp did, which is to build something and plan for it and strategically go about it. And if it takes three years to do it, but it means that we have you know greater longer term success, then that's what they're doing. I mean, the proof of the pudding will out, but I I, I do think it'll be interesting to see where we are at the end of the season. I've got a really good uh, question that's come in from Yarin, uh, one of our favourite people, Yarin. Yarin, another long-time Chelsea fancast listener. He says, looking at the squad after this great transfer window, what is the this beautiful segue as, to, as well, Yarin? I didn't realise that. Looking at the squad after this great transfer window, what is the position we still need to improve on? I think we need a defensive midfielder and a long-term quality centre-back. Do you agree? Well, Yaren, I couldn't agree more with that. I couldn't agree more with that, and I, I think, I think that I think that Rice. I think they'll get Rice. I think they're doing with Rice what Liverpool did with uh, Van Dijk, and I think that's who they really, really want, and I think that's who they will get ultimately. But I think uh, a, a quality centre back, you know, of the silver mould, but not him. I think he's a he's a stopgap. Is also what they need, and. I desperately want to see Tamori develop into that uh, defender, but remember we need two. So I think a really experienced, world-class one and, and Tamori going forward would be the answer. But uh, I'm going to go to Dane first, uh, and no doubt JK and Dan might want to have a say on this, and then I'll open it up to our Patreons. But Dane? Yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, Thiago Silva at the moment is a stopgap. Yeah, I've been very impressed with him, even getting his mistake against West Brom. He, he looked really good in the game, I thought. Uh, so I would look 
and as you said rightly so i think this is a 50 to 60 percent project at the moment uh I, I think i'd like to see declan rice i think we need someone to screen the defense and not come as deep as Jorginho does uh sometimes he comes just too deep and then Kovacic comes close to him and he has to beat that that press by taking someone on and he uh, usually gets caught sometimes gets caught in the ball and puts us in real pressure. I'd also like to see another winger. Uh, at the moment, I'm willing to wait to the end of the season to give my my final opinion maybe on Hudson Odoi because I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt with his injury. Uh, Christian, you know. Obviously, I've, I've always made my thoughts clear on him. It's been a dream he signed for us personally. But again, he is, well, hopefully it's just growing pains, but he is a little bit injury prone. So when we need to really stretch teams and on the wing, I don't like Werner out on the wing. I think you're accommodating him because he can score a goal. He doesn't give you a lot, a lot else out on the left wing. So potentially, yeah, it would be the defensive midfielder. It will be a centre-back and it will be... A winger. Uh, JK? I think I agree with uh, with um, everything everybody said, actually. I'm not, I, I'm not sure about... Um, I think we need another central defender. I'm not sure if it will be Rice. Um, uh, but, yeah, if it, if it is Rice, it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. But um, Liverpool pursued uh, Van Dijk and got him for £75 million and he was... What was it player of the European player of the year the following year, wasn't he? So uh, um, if they find they want somebody and they want to pursue him like the old days, like 15 years ago, hey, let's let's pursue him. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not convinced, Dane, that, that Jorginho Kovacic are, are part of the future. No, I'm not. I don't I don't like them together. Yeah, I'm not. I don't, makes I'm not me sure uncomfortable. That, yeah. So um, perhaps another midfield player. But um I, 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 I'd have I Mount think, in there. Um, well, indeed, where does Mount play? Where, what, well, what we've, we've, been, we've been saying, haven't we? We've, I mean, it's really funny. We've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then and then I think it was either Liam or, or Simon in The Athletic and then Ollie in Football London both saying, well, you know, what we really should have is we should have Kante, Havertz and Mount in midfield. We've been saying that all bloody season. For me, that's the perfect midfield. You know, it's Kante as a number four, if you like, or a number six. Never know quite which one it is. Havertz as a 10 and uh, Mount as an eight. And that's what you do. Box to box midfielder, creative midfielder and a destroyer in a 4-3-3. But, you know, what do I know? Um, do you want to, sorry, Joe? Werner as the apex, not Werner on the wing. No, no, Werner is Werner's the striker. Dijekshin and, and Pulisic, hopefully, yeah. as the two wingers. Yeah. But you know, this is... As you say, that the injuries worry me all the time. But I mean, oh, is it um, uh, Robin who we got rid of far too soon, who was one of the best wingers I've ever ever seen for Chelsea? He he did a huge fitness regime once because uh, Kenyon sold him because he was he he doubted his fitness because he kept being, you know, spending twelve games off out of it, and he did a huge fitness thing with his dad, and then of course had a wonderful career with Real Madrid and Bayern. So it, it is possible for players with long term injuries to be rehabilitated mm. rather than sold so uh there isn't it, it we, we shouldn't despair at somebody being injured a lot they, they just need to work with them specifically yeah dano yeah i think i agree um i think callum's got a season to prove himself otherwise ship him out and bring another winger in but yeah definitely a, a defensive midfielder set half um otherwise i think we're pretty well set i mean i guess we've got these kids on loan the guy at swansea mark guay who's meant to be a decent player so he may or may not need to to invest, depending on how they develop. 
But I think this is this is a, a big season for Callum. He needs to really, you know, show what he's made of. So Hopefully he's going to get some confidence Ampadu, back. Dan, is the jury out on Ampadu? Well, I, I don't get why well, doesn't get game time. At, I know only four four games in, but he doesn't get game time at Sheffield United. I mean, whether yeah. we can call him back in um, January, I don't know. Unless he's got an attitude problem, I don't I, know. I don't think so. It was really interesting. I, I happened to uh, uh, watch a bit of the England Wales match and Chris Coleman was talking about Ampadu in, in absolutely reverential tones in terms of what a nice lad he is. He's really oh, yeah. professional. You know, he's really good in the dressing room. I mean, you know, Coleman couldn't speak highly enough of him. And if you remember, Coleman was the Wells manager a while ago, so he would know. Yeah, he knows. I, so I don't I think there's got... any problem with him. Oh, well, I guess if you have like Rice and Ampadu who both can play centre-back, centre-midfield, mm. then you've got potential, don't need to spend the money. No, I, mean, well, I mean, when he when he's played Ampadu, he's, he's got that real maturity for a young lad. Mm. And he's aggressive, he's firm in the tackle. I remember his first game, I, can't, I think it might have been... A cup game, he's pointing at people, telling yeah. experienced pros where to go. So, you know, if, he, if he gets maybe 25 games at Sheffield United this season, it'll be good. But Callum, Callum needs to perform this season. I think he's under real pressure. I mean, yes, yeah. Bayern Munich are interested, but he needs to really show us what he's made of. I Hopefully, he gets his confidence back. I, I just wonder one thing that's kind of coming coming out of this, you know, if, 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 if you know, from what we're led to believe, Chelsea are very serious about wanting to get Declan Rice. Um, and I, I always have one eye on Frank in terms of, you know, what what did he learn? Uh, it's a bit like that classic question. What did you know and when did you know it? You know, but who did he learn from most in his playing career in terms of management? And remember how long he played for the likes of Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, Pat Guardiola even for a while, of course, Gus Hiddink. But, you know, the, we, we've talked about this a lot on the show, haven't we? you know, over the years. The great thing about that great Mourinho Mark I side, which kind of sustained us all the way into 2012 and beyond, was that it was built around a huge, brilliant, fantastic spine of football players. You know, Petr Cech in goal, John Terry in central defence. Okay, Ashley Cole was left back as well, but certainly Cech, JT, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba. That was the spine of the team. And I I just wonder how, how heavily influenced Frank might have been by that in terms of what he really needs to make a really great Chelsea team. Sure, he can bring some of these youngsters in, but what he'll want is a superb spine. And actually, the irony is, is that that's the one thing that we really still don't have. I mean, we don't have a world-class goalkeeper. We don't have a world-class central defender. Uh, Kante, you could argue, is a world-class midfielder. Uh, and the jury's going to be out on Werner because it's his first season. So I wonder, I wonder if that's what, he's trying to do and maybe he sees you know bringing the odd player in like Declan Rice maybe Werner will be our world-class striker you know who knows but I, I wonder if he's he's kind of going in that direction um people of Patreon who are with us tonight are uh, particularly Chain, uh, Daryl and Ash have you got a question for us would you like to ask something raise your hand quickly there you go Shane Shane by a Nat's hair but it'll be you next Daryl don't worry I don't really know how to ask this question, but maybe is there something that happened between being just like a season ticket holder and going showing up to the matches week in and week out and then kind of getting into the podcast sort of broadcasting world that like change and for any of you, not just you, Chich, just anyone who's a I think season we, ticket holder. Yeah, we, we yeah. yeah, we could all we could all answer that. Um I'll, and that's I'll, like how it's changed your view of being a season ticket holder. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Well, I'll, I'll bore you with my story first. I mean, basically, I, I, I'm, I'm the worst supporter out of everybody on the Chelsea fan cast by a country mile, which is revealed not only in the, the My Chelsea that I did, but in every week when we do uh, the 50 years of Chelsea, when I was living two, mu- you know, two minutes down the road and still couldn't be asked to turn up. You know, Dan, Dane and JK in particular shit on me as Chelsea fans, you know, because I'm, I'm lazy and I just didn't grow up in it, you know. Dan, as he'll tell you in a minute, is like 500th generation Chelsea fan or something. Are you saying you shouldn't be actually running this no, show? No, no. It, it actually should have been you all all along, JK. I just oh, didn't want to God, tell you that. I'd known. God, but you the know. effort, though. Could, can I employ you as my secretary? Can I thought just, I was your you, butler. You write the scripts and I'll just read them out. Uh, there you go. Um, but actually, that's a good segue, really. Because, I mean, apart from the fact I was a bit lazy and I and I and it was it was Dr. Mart who, you know, kind of dragged me you know, he said, look, the minute you move back to London, because I, I spent a bit of time out, out of London when I went moved back to Winchester. And then when I came back, he said, well, you're coming and you're coming with my mates and you're buying a season ticket. So I didn't really have much choice. And I did that. And I met the Normans, Phil Norman, and all that lot. And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, and I started doing this, Shane, because I was making TV programs about football at the time and hating it because I was being told how to make programs about something I knew far more about than the people who are telling me how to make it. And you will learn very quickly when you make TV that unless you pay for the entire programme, you have absolutely no control. Uh, and I got drunk at a, a launch party of something called Football Fancast and ended up you know, with the people who ran it. And they said that they did loads of podcasts, but they didn't have a Chelsea one. So I said, oh, I'll do that then. And of course, for me, it was just great because it meant I could write the script, present it, produce it, get my mates to be on it who wouldn't argue with me and I could have complete control. And that's kind of didn't work at all. But, you know, that was the idea. Um, So there we go. So how has it changed? It's almost hard to put into words. I'm sure all the chaps will say this. I know Dan, I've talked to Dan a lot about this. Um, It's just nuts. You know, I mean, when I first... Started well when I first started going to Chelsea. I mean, I used to go on my own. Occasionally, I'd go with a mate, and I knew nobody there. My circle of Chelsea family was like me and one other. You know, uh, when I when I went back uh, in two thousand with Doctor Mart, I suddenly, for the first time ever, realised that there was a, a whole Chelsea family there. You had mates you could go and see in the same pub every week, and they knew other people, and the other people knew other people. And that kind of blew my mind, and I liked that. It was like being in a gang. I loved that. And then doing this, this has just been insane. It is insane. I mean, I don't need to tell you how many people I've got to know through doing this on every single level. I mean, people like you, Shane. I've seen, I've, I've had a pint with you in the cock. Claire, Bobby D. I mean, I met Bobby over 10 years ago now, out of the blue. I even saw him in bloody Melbourne when I went over there, you know um claire i've met in the pub i haven't yet met alex but i feel i have you know daryl's the same you know when we do our little things ash i've met years ago in the pub all these people from all over the world i've met and i I can consider friends because i do this silly fucking show every monday i mean it's insane you know all the players that i've got to know all the brilliant people who write these books do other podcasts do stuff for the chelsea supporters trust I, you know, I, 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 I've met everybody at the club apart from Marina Granovskaya. You know, none of this would have happened if you I told hadn't. You've taken her out, Chidge. I'm not supposed to tell anybody that. Certainly not my wife. Um, but um, 
you know, none of this would have happened had it not been for doing this show. So, I mean, it's just mind blowing. It really is. But, you know, over and above all of that, it's it's just the huge, huge friendships that I, I mean, I can't speak for the others. I'll let them speak for themselves. But the huge friendships that I've made with people from all over the world. And we all love the same thing. We leave whatever our views about other stuff is at the door and it's all about Chelsea and it's it's just it's been life changing and life affirming I would say Dan it is it is sorry yeah same for me I mean just I used to go with my dad and didn't really have any Chelsea mates most of my mates are sort of Spurs or Arsenal and I bumped into Chidge at the stall went on the benches and then suddenly this whole new world of Chelsea fans appeared out of nowhere so I had an incredible group and then obviously got to make more and more fans from overseas, from America and so on. It's just been brilliant and just, it's kind of like so humble sometimes when people like recognise you or say, oh, you're, you're off the fan cast. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's just, it's been, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's completely changed my whole Chelsea outlook because, you know, after my dad just died in, what, 2006, I was definitely one to go with. And now suddenly two years later, I could probably count 100, 150 people. Chelsea, you know, Chelsea friends and family. It's been, it's been a brilliant experience. Yeah, definitely. Uh, JK? Yes, it's, it's, um, it's been completely, uh, um, as you said, Chidge, life-affirming. It's been absolutely fabulous. Because, I, I mean, you, you were really famous before you met us, obviously, so, you know. In my own, in my own bedroom, famous in, <laughs> my, famous in my own trousers, Chidge. Famous. <laughs> Oh, come on, mate. You were stand for the Lion, for God's sake, back in 1980. Yeah, you know. Nobody knew. Well, that's, true. You remember. that's true. Because you're in a you're in a lion costume, Chidge. <laughs> nobody had a clue. Everybody, there was that wonderful moment where somebody claimed that they had been the lion before me, and they gave me a picture of the lion. Which, when you think about it, is absolutely what well, you know. I'm, I'm, he said, "Here you are. Look, there I am in the lion costume." I mean, what? But uh, the madness of that, and it was me anyway, because I was standing by the goalpost, which nobody ever did, with a, in a in a kind of cheeky way, with my legs crossed, and I I'd, I'd very briefly talked about the line. I I'd, um, I'd have to I'd have to pitch the idea to the marketing manager, and I said he needed to be this vivacious vivacious chap, ran up and down the pitch. We, you didn't give high fives because they hadn't been invented. It was 1980. You just shook hands with everybody. You kick the ball in the net, wave at everybody, run down the, run down the wing, go bow to the, the opposition fans, just keep going, keep active. And, uh, um, and I was replaced with a bloke who just only walked to the centre circle because he was a man of 65 and but conducted blue as the colour and then just wandered off again. But um, yeah, um, th those those were the days. But um, um, that that wasn't the point I was going to make. I was going to say that um, uh, I I love the fact that we're having this. I love the fact that you're all round the world. I think it's completely phenomenal and amazing. And uh, and I'm emotionally in, in uh, just uh, touched by all your involvement. The very fact that we could meet wherever and we'd be mates by this. This Chelsea cement, I think, is absolutely fabulous, and I love it. And it has been life enhancing, absolutely, as you said, Gigi. And I never thought, you know, I I sit in the uh, um, uh, I, I sit in the in the East Stand middle, and I've always coveted sitting in those seats because they're the best seats. They're they're near. There was always the director's box. They're nearer to the ground than any other seats in the middle. It's a wonderful view, as Chidge will 
will uh, will ascertain that he's come a few times. I've had to stop him from standing up and swearing, of course, because it's not quite <laughs> true. Like very true. It's true. It's true. I had to grab him. Shush, chin. Shush, shush. You'll get thrown out. Shush, chin. Shush. I'm a bit shocked at my liberal use of the c word at Huddleston when he like, tried to kill one of our players, weren't they? Yes, yeah. I think it was the fact there was universal disapproval from the crowd. I think saved you. I think. <laughs> I think it wasn't as if you shouted. Well, I was right. Like, that was the you point. You're right. You're right. You're right. But I think if you'd shouted out suddenly in the middle of the game using the c word i think uh, you'd have been led away yeah, and yeah. imprisoned obviously but, the c um, word is chelsea for those for any avoidance yeah, for those who don't yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but no to, to me it's just been um uh it's been completely brilliant the fact that uh, the, the 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 series of superb chelsea writers that we've had access to as a consequence well they're this. mates this is the beautiful it's, thing well, our mates yeah. who have yeah, become yeah. mates through chatting to i absolutely love and uh it, it's it's been otherwise you know i would have I'd have hung about in because uh, I, I know what the advantage of being in corporate. It was never corporate. Bates originally made it corporate. It was just the seats in the middle, East Stand middle, and Bates worked out because the 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 middle stand was the East Stand was so undeveloped that he could put suddenly put a kitchen in and a bar in, and he could then put it up by you know six hundred quid. So at the end of the my first year, I was thinking, God, I mean, a four hundred quid it cost me to sit there initially. And they, but that following year, it was 800. You're going, oh, all right, the seats are pretty good. I'm, I love sitting there. And he's then saying, right, well, there's now uh, a free bar, except it's not a free bar because he's put it up by another thousand. And you're going, oh, my God, what am I? Do I still want to sit there? Well, I suppose I do. So you then, you know, you, you give up smoking or you do something else. You don't drive. You cycle everywhere in order to <laughs> afford it, you know, because you want to sit in these great seats. And so I've done that. But the advantage of that or the disadvantage is you've got your own set of people there i sit in the east stand middle in aussies with practically the same people i've been there for 20 years with and they're all fans they're not they're not corporate we're called corporate and hospitality which i object to because we're not they're not you don't get strange people in they've never been in there before it's the same lot of people and they're all unbelievably knowledgeable they lots of them go away to europe in particular the guy i sit i sit with john cleese's ex-agent john cleese and peter cook's ex-agent and he goes to all the European away trips, has done for ages, unbelievably knowledgeable, unbelievably tactically knowledgeable. But people come in and they go, oh, it's all a bit snobby in here, isn't it? It's not snobby. It's just people who want to sit in those seats who've been sitting there for that that long because they, they, they it's a great view. And, you know, they, they put these things. It's other thing about you're all rich. We're not rich people in there at all. It's the same lot of people. They just it, they're unbelievably knowledgeable and they make a priority of of sitting in in the best seats in the ground i'm afraid but it's at the same time it's an experience that you sort of deal with there whereas if you're you know if you're going away for me the best experience is going away watching chelsea when you win say at anfield or you win somewhere you win anywhere winning is great but particularly somewhere where uh, it, it's it's you know you can tell there is a, there's a tension in it and it's there's a joyous and one of the great occasions for me was the the Leeds League Cup game when we um, when we won five one away. The atmosphere we were kept in there for half an hour afterwards. The singing, the songs and the singing was and I don't sing, you know, deliberately because of my voice, darlings. I don't enjoy it. But no, I but the, all the songs, all the songs, you just singing the 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 kind of the the joy of everybody was just absolutely tangible. It was a great moment. There's, so, a, there's a wonderful you, photograph of that. Um, of the Chelsea end, there's a quite quite a lot of bald heads in the end. A lot of people in their fifties, <laughs> proper old school atmosphere. But there's a photograph taken 
and it being Yorkshire, it was cold and damp. So there's a mist rising above the Chelsea end. It looks like a scene out of, um, oh, bugger. What's the French uh, revolution? Les Miserables. It looked like a scene from Les Miserables. It's, I've got it somewhere. It's absolutely brilliant. And Marco did a great video that night. I think they're all singing Jimmy Savile's One of Your Own that night, amongst many other songs. <laughs> there was um, uh, Every single song was gone through, Chidge, because yeah. they just kept us in there for yeah, half an hour. But it, it, was, it was an absolutely phenomenal occasion. But then it, the lovely thing is to be able to then look at people <clears throat> in the crowd and go, I know these people yeah, personally. Exactly. exactly. It's just absolutely phenomenal. You, you can't beat it, can you? Um, no, Dane, Dane, my old China, um, what about you? Oh, yeah, everyone's got a story, haven't they? I don't know if you've listened to my Chelsea, if people have, and I'm repeating myself, then sorry. But yeah, I was born and bred in the area. I was, we used to break into the ground and play, play football, build snowmen, muck around on the stands. So to sit there now and know, well, it's, just, it's probably been, been going regular for 35 years. So to sit there in a the stand and just look around and know, you know, stupid little things like building a snowman and doing snow fairies on the pitch and things like that. It's a, uh, Amazing. I'm I'm quite fairly new to the uh, fan cast, so I haven't had the privilege of being in the pub and talking to someone living 5,000 to 8,000 miles away. But I tell you what, hopefully when the world gets back to normal, it, it will be an absolute pleasure. I I sort of, how it changed, it, I've, I sort of experienced a little bit of being on the podcast while the world was still normal. I just... Things differed for me because I had to take more photographs. I had to uh, watch the game more thoroughly just in case she was wanted me on the show on Monday instead of maybe having having two extra less Guinnesses maybe just so I can take notes. It's, of never, it's never stopped any of us, Dane, mate. Don't worry. Oh uh, yeah, I just did. Yeah, but I'm new. I'm trying to make an impression. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then obviously I met Chidge and I I'd, I'd met the Londonist Blue Boys a couple of times in the pub, and obviously they come over with with people so it was lovely to I remember talking to a young guy from LA and and his experiences about Chelsea and he's obviously really interested in me when you tell him you know you were born in the area that must be quite rare because then they show a lot more interest in you oh uh, yeah so I'm, I'm really looking forward to to coming out of this and then yeah and and, and being in a cock and meeting people and yeah. buying people drinks and having a good chat and just you know we're all Chelsea we have a chat we have a laugh and we can watch the game together because as I said to Chid's the other week i'm missing it so much i'm actually dreaming about it now wow I, don't, I'm, don't I'm, tell I'm, that to a psychotherapist mate I'll, I'll, yeah I'll, i'm yeah, dreaming and i'm there and i can see myself oh, i'm thank god i'm back and there's all crowd and i can see the players playing and i'm in my my my, my seat and yeah and it's uh it's happened too too regularly at the moment yeah. well actually it's a good segue uh dane because uh, you know a lot of my, a lot of people don't know this and it's quite interesting because you know everything, everything seems to revolve around Twitter these days and so many of these podcasts have started up from uh, Twitter, including London is Blue. And I had no problem with that. You know, you, you've all got to start somehow. But And I quite often get asked by a lot of them, you know, that I don't know, oh, can we come on the podcast? And I say no. And they think I'm just being horrible and rude, which is true. I am horrible and rude. But there's a very, very good reason. I've always had a very big golden rule about this podcast. You come on this show... Because I have been to a game with you and I drink with you in the pub. Because that is the whole point of this show. It's not about doing a great show. It's not about, you know, media or entertainment or getting likes for Twitter or having big Facebook groups or making loads of money. It's about sharing that experience that we have all been so blessed to have for many, many years, most of us. 
about going to the game together, having a few pints before and afterwards, and then suffering 90 minutes of, you know, Chelsea being a pain in the arse. You know, that that is it. And that's what I always wanted to replicate on this show. So that's why the golden rule is, is that you have, you know, Dane, Dane's the most recent addition in many respects. And, you know, I said, you can't come on the show unless we've had a pint in the cock. And, he, and Dane turned up, we had a few pints, and there you go. That's how it works. And I think long may that continue. Um, one other thing, actually, I should have said, you know, when I was kind of explaining how we all got going and everything and, and what it all meant to us. But I, 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 I very remiss of me, I should have mentioned... Uh, the support of CFC UK, which I think was absolutely instrumental in us, you know, growing and and becoming whatever it is that we are. And I've been lucky enough to write for the fanzine, the best fanzine by a country mile. And it's really highly regarded by a lot of the people in the media, people like Henry Winter read it, uh, Don Firefield, you name it, a lot of the players read it. There's a lot more clout to CFC UK than you might believe. And I've been lucky enough to write for it for over 10 years. And DJ was brilliant. He said, yeah, mate, I'll, yeah, do you want to write for it? It'd be lovely to have you write for us, you know. And I've been doing it ever since. And they've always been hugely supportive of what we do. Uh, and uh, I think, you, you know, you can credit a lot of our growth and development uh, down to their support. So, I, you know, he, he probably doesn't listen. But uh, if he is by any chance listening, just a massive big kiss and a thank you to DJ. And on that point... Um, we do have an, a new one coming out. I know this because I wrote it last Friday. Uh, so there is a new fanzine available. Uh, I know you can't get it on Fulham Broadway like we always used to be able to, but you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net uh, or you can buy it uh, and get it via post. I think it's two quid, including first post, uh, first class post delivery. But if you want a copy, if you want to subscribe, subscribe you can pay by uh, pay uh, by PayPal. Uh, but if you email cfcuk at gate17.co.uk, you will not be disappointed. I can assure you of that. Now- real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Now, before we got into that brilliant question, by the way, Shane, that really opened up lovely, diff- slightly left field, opened up a lot of uh, stuff there, which is brilliant of you. Well done. Daryl, you beat Daryl by a Nat's cock, as I recall. So, Daryl, uh, do you want to ask us a question? Um, yeah, well, just following on from Dane Dreams, really. There. Um, <laughs> Keep, but... Careful, careful. <laughs> um, what do you think is holding back us being able to go back to the bridge? I mean, I'm just bit of clarification i'm working on a project penciled in for next june westminster council have told us a meter nose to nose with the seating so i just you know they've already got but i haven't heard what boris has said tonight obviously so i don't know so i just want to you know is it just the government holding us back or is it Something within the football league, I don't know. Apart, I mean, the stadium itself is pretty secure. The biggest issues are, well, mainly getting to and from the ground because it's considered a mass gathering and people gathering on the concourse. I think once you're actually physically in the stadium, you're going to be very safe with just the whole the process because there's going to be people coming to the match without tickets. There's going to be busy trains hanging around outside the ground, even with you know tiered entrances, tiered timing, the best way in the world. It's, it's not people don't aren't going to you know of creatures of habit. 
um, going to the pubs. I think that's that's the biggest issue. I think not not actually the stadiums. I think it goes to a lot of events as well. Um, I mean, you know, because you know, Dan and I certainly are, are, are involved with the Supporters Trust, so we get access to all sorts of very interesting stuff. And I remember back in about July, I was privy to the government and. Uh, what is it called, Dan? Is it Sage or something? Sage. Yeah, yeah Sage. Yeah. It's the safety advisory group, basically, who who we you know talk to a lot about. They're the people who basically um, it's like it's like a combination of the local council, the police, the fire service, the all the all the main services who look after, and the stewards and the club themselves. They look after the access and egress of the ground and, and make sure the safety's okay. And they did a report uh, outlining what needed to be done for supporters to come back to football. This thing was nearly 1,500 pages long. It may well have been 500. It felt like 1,500. I just didn't have the will to read through it. I skipped through it. And what what it tells me is that actually, you know, all the football clubs and all the football grounds are incredibly set up for a return to supporters in the safest way they possibly can. Um, it It was really, really well done. And I have no doubt that um, they could let not not forty two thousand right now. Clearly, that ain't, ain't going to work. But they they could have let in, you know, the eight thousand or so that they were thinking of doing uh, before the government vetoed it again because they're worried about the second wave. So I, I don't think you can you I don't think you can blame the clubs or the Premier League uh, at all. I think that they've done everything that they possibly can. Uh, Dan's got a point. There's an issue with access and egress. Definitely, because if you've got more people, you know, you've got eight, even 8,000 people all going the same way down Fulham Road into a tube, you know, in the current climate, it's possibly a problem. But, um, I mean, my own view is, is that, you know, it's, it's you know, it's kind of parallels the problem in society as well, doesn't it, at the moment, Daryl? You know, there are an awful lot of people who, who, who might not get it really, really badly. You know, there are some people who will get it and die. So at what point do you say, well, the responsibility is on you? You know, I mean, as, as it happens, Daryl, I, I don't think I would go. But I, 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 you know, I'm a bit older. Uh, you know, my wife's a bit of a risk category and I have a job where I have to be very careful, you know, with who I see and protect them. So my personal choice would probably not to be go back to this all over. But I'm I am one. There are many, many people who maybe 16 18 25 whatever who would feel feel perfectly comfortable and perfectly safe to go and i i think my personal view is is that that needs to be taken into consideration as well you know but um annoyingly i don't think i mean you know we've all seen the reports haven't we about people going to the london palladium last night you know that was all deemed fine and yet people can't go to a football ground there has to be a middle way somewhere and i and i think ultimately annoyingly that that leadership has to come from government and of course they've been as clear as mud on the whole issue ever since it started anybody else want to pitch in with that put your hand up quickly if you do and i'll I'll bring you in there we go bobby because you're in australia so you've got a very different perspective because it's been very different out there hasn't it mate well yeah apart from uh living like terry white at the moment in the lockdown but, yeah uh... I, can, I can see your chain to the radiator mate you know <laughs> but you know we've started to um especially in new south wales and queensland we've started to have more and more fans coming back into the uh, stadiums now um but they're very very segregated in small blocks uh and you know it's it's still not the same you still don't get the same atmosphere but it's 
I think they do it very, very gradually and very slowly just to see how things go. And it's, to me, it's more to do with an image. And they don't, like, they stop people going down the pub so that you don't, you, they don't want to be seen to have 20,000 people in the stadium. So I think a lot of it is um, being seen to be doing the right thing. And also the insurance. You know, if you go to a game and catch COVID, are people going to start suing the clubs or suing the league for allowing them back in the stadium? So they've got to be very careful with that kind of uh, um, direction as well. Mm. Good stuff. Now, I've got a question. Sorry, Dane, do you want to come in, mate? Yeah, I was going to say it's getting so desperate now that I find myself flicking through Sky Sports and pausing when it comes to the Premier League years. I've never watched so many of them. And you see supporters in the uh, stadium cheering from old matches. And it's like watching an old like Batsy Dogs Home advert. You're just like, oh, God, those were the days. And you just pauses you and just turns you into like a little child. It's uh, like, like a Christmas advert. It's, uh, it's quite sad. I've never just taken much notice of Premier League years before. But now just seeing the crowds full and you can see the autumn air and, you know, goals being scored and everyone just congregating together. It's just, it feels like a million miles ago away. Jumpers for goalpost boys in the park, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, mate. Well, I've got, um, I've got, I'll tell you what I'm going to do now. I've got a question from Andy, the Hutch in Mixler, which I might wait until the end. Uh, we've got a couple of emails to read out. One or one of which might lead to a few more questions. Tim put his hand up. Didn't you put your hand up, Tim? Tim, did you put your hand up? Sorry, mate. No, we didn't. Oh, sorry. Okay, you must have been. Been Ash, Ash quickly put his hand up, and then Daryl again. So you two, you two. Then I'll go to the two emails, and then we'll have Andy the Hutch's question. And I reckon that'll be about time for us to bugger off. So Ash, um, I wanted to just mention back to um, the defending and talking about how we said Reese James and stuff. I think uh, it has to do a lot with. Uh, I'll go back to again, which I mentioned last time we had this chat was uh, zonal marking. Hmm. I, I, I don't, I think it's a big problem because I played football all my life growing up. And when you're sitting there or standing there, when there's a corner, you're, you're pointing out with your teammates, like you get him, you get him and you stick with your man and you defend and make sure they don't get the ball. I, I don't, I don't know how you do it with zonal. Like you have an area you, you, you protect and that's it. Yeah. Comes, like two area. people. Yeah, yeah. Two people come in. Like, what do you do if there's just like one of you? That's what I keep seeing happening. It's half and half ash. They play, yeah. they play uh, uh, some of them man mark and some of them zonal. You can see it clearly in, in that West Brom. If you look at the, uh, if you pause it and see the West Brom where we let in the third, the third goal. one. Yeah, the third goal. You can see yeah. that they have about four of them man marking and about the other five. I'm sure we had nine players in the box. I think Werner was the only one not in. Um, and 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 then you see after the players kind of pointing at each other because mm. it's. I, I could just imagine. I wouldn't know who should be marking who when <laughs> you you're attack, doing you it. From my space. experience, you attack. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, but... it's so, too much. I I wanted. I don't know. I guess it's part of this new new age. Yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, <laughs> t- to be honest, Ash, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, 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 you know, but then I'm an old git, you know. So I would, I would go man for man. But yeah, Dane, yeah, Dane's right. Mo- most clubs actually, you know, because we we used to hammer them for going, oh, it's bloody zonal marking rubbish. But the reality is, is that nearly all the top sides now have a combination. You know, as Dane said, they'll pick up two or three players. Uh, hopefully, they match up. You know. 
So if they've got a big hairy ass defender, we have our big hairy ass defender on them. And if they've got a big hairy ass striker, we've got a big hairy ass striker or defender on him. So hopefully they match up sensibly. Uh, but it's a combination of that and zonal, Dan, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, we all miss Drogba when he used to come back yes, for corners. Yes. And it was mag- he used to clear so many balls with his head because he just... He wouldn't mark it when he just watched the ball and then he'd go boom, get it out. Yeah. We, we missed that kind of, yeah, we you know, do. that extra defender. It's an interesting thing. Now, uh, Daryl was uh, uh, a short hair's breadth away from Ash when he put his hand up. Um, I just, how much you think not having fans has affected the, sc- the score lines? Yeah. I mean, when players' heads go down, there's no one to get them back. I mean, United and Liverpool getting dicked six and seven. I mean, <laughs> There's just, a, I know it's funny, and, and, and yet, and yet we we came just back. Got from, no one, and yet we came back from three 0 down against West Brom. Exactly, I think it shows the mentality mm. of the team. Mm. You know how well trained they are, or their mentality. And the bigger, well, Man United, we know have got a problem mentally. You know, Pogba's just, a, well, well, he is what he is. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's, it's affected the, the refs. I think the refs have been affected by it. Actually, I think the refs they haven't got on their backs as much, and I think refs are so easily uh, affected by crowds. Well, it, or it, the number of times you see refs make decisions because um, the crowd has got has got at them to say, you know, th- this has been a dreadful foul, and then you see it back. Well, at least VAR is helpful on those occasions. You see it back. And it wasn't, he hadn't fouled him at all. It was just an overreaction from the player himself. But I, I think refs have got, not that they'll ever get better, but I think they've, uh, they're trying to ref the game now without as much involvement with VAR and they're getting away with it. They seem to be also slightly fitter. I don't know what's happened this season. They seem to be more up with play. Whether, whether they John Moss been benched? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he is possibly the exception to the rule there, actually, Chief. But uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by... Uh, um, how much they're clearly influenced by by home crowds, re- uh, referees. Let's hope we've got some doozies of some refs on um, Saturday against Southampton. VAR, Mike Dean. Oh, God. God's God sake. Mayan Atkinson is ref. Um, oh, God. Uh, he's not refereeing. He's the, and the ref is it's his second game. Second Premier League game. Well, he might be better than the other rubbish. But let's, let's, watch him. let's see if he keeps up with plays. My big yeah. thing is this: this um, Clatter. What was his name? Clatterberg. Yeah, the big thing about him, you could never criticise. Absolutely up with play all the time. He could occasionally get, you know, think was he got that one right? Was he seen it wrongly? But he was so fit. And that was, to me, that made him actually so much better than anybody else. He was, he was fit, JK, but didn't he know it? Yeah, that, uh, Dan, Dan. Yeah, but they all know it. They're all egomaniacs. You know that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, everything seems subdued. I don't even know it's listening to commentary. It just seems a little bit subdued. It's not quite as, you know, I think the fans make a huge difference to everything. The players, even the commentators, like when they were doing the commentary on the May United match, it wasn't quite as, there's something missing. There's it just, it was flat. That makes sense. I think volume as well, isn't it? Volume as well, Dan, from everybody. Because the commentators have to pitch over the top of the net. Yeah. Just like they were conversations when they friendly. It just seems very flat. But, you know, fans are so important. I mean, you just you just see that, you know. Imagine, you know, would Villa have won 7-2 without, with fans? Who knows? But missing that game as a Villa fan, you'd be absolutely gutted. Or Brentford, they missed the last game in the old stadium. That kind of stuff. It's, it's just so frustrating mm. not being able to get back into the grounds. I mean, I, I generally think that they that, that the players, I mean, we've heard enough players say this, that they, they miss the, the, the fans being in the stadium. And I... I, I, I can imagine that that must be true. Right, I've got these couple of emails to do. Then we've got the question from Andy Hutch. 
and I think we might we might call it a night because uh, nine o'clock is rapidly approaching. So this one is from Alan Day, and then J.K. is going to read out the one from. Let me just see who it's from. No, I've got it the wrong way round. I'm going to read out Philip Maguire, and then he's going to read out Alan Day's email or Carefree Alan or something. Right, uh, Philip Maguire. Uh, he says, "Dear Chidge, J.K. and esteemed guests, I really can't thank you enough for the lively, informed, and entertaining company you bring to this musician's life." while I work away from home in the Sultanate of Oman, keeping me abreast on all things Chels. The amount of times you've had me in stitches is uh, hilarious. Uh, I'm not... Oh, sorry. The, the, the amount of time you've had me in stitches, the hilarious I'm not a boy topping <laughs> last Monday's show have made you an unmissable part of my life. Jonathan's accents and general tomfoolery are oh. a delight. Uh, I've been a passionate supporter since 1970, and so I've lived and died with the roller coaster ride our beloved club has brung. I've been in Oman for nearly 10 years now and the fancast has given me a place of refuge where I can indulge my love of Chelsea with the best of company for quite a few of them. Uh, your 50 Years podcasts have been an utter pleasure as you walk me and many others through their lives in recounting games and seasons previously forgotten. I know you must be aware of how much uh, joy you bring to sports worldwide and from a small, insignificant drop in that ocean of listeners, I just want to say thank you so much to me, your family. Keep the blue flag flying high, Phil. Lovely, lovely. I, I mean, really, you know, kind of reiterating what I was saying. I, we kind of do look at you lot as family, actually. So it's a lovely, lovely, what a lovely brilliant. email to get, JK. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm not worthy. Thank you so we much. We are not worthy. We even do the we are not. We are actually, Phil, we're doing we are not worthy thing from Wayne's World in your honour. So there you go. Uh, JK. <laughs> uh, Alan Day. Hi, greetings from North Yorkshire. Uh, all right, lad. Up on uh, my email shows regarding your thoughts, are the message contents at a display? No, that's enough. He's probably from London, mate. He probably he's is. He's probably exiled. He's probably thinking, look, shut up. Look, you see, Alex, Alex has <laughs> shut gone there. you, now. mug. Alex, I've, I've offended Alex now. <laughs> yeah, Alex, Alex has gone. He's had enough of you, mate. He's had enough of my yeah. silly accent. Yeah, okay. And uh, if it was East Yorkshire, they'd say, hello, hi, and greetings from North Yorkshire. They speak like that. <laughs> but... Um, but uh, Yes, I digress. Um, hi, greetings from North Yorkshire. My email to you is regarding your thoughts, re the message contents that are displayed within the fifth stand Chelsea app, not the actual app itself. For some strange reason, despite telling myself I'm never going to do so again, I find myself looking at the comments section like a man going back to his ex-wife, thinking things will surely get better this time. No! <laughs> My wish is you guys know people within the club who can tell Frank and the boys these comments do not reflect the majority of Chelsea supporters. Whether or not you like a certain coach, player or person, some of these comments are vicious, nasty and unconstructive. I'm not a fan of social media, will never join Facebook or Twitter for exactly this reason. The condemnation towards people, particularly Frank Mason Mount, Jorginho, Kepper and the English section of players is horrific. If you don't like someone, then fair enough. Just call them out in a civil way and be done with it. I don't doubt that some of the comments are from trolls who support other clubs, but surely these comments can be filtered out. While I'm not a believer, excuse me, in the censorship of free speech, I do believe people should not be subjected to nasty vitriol, which is then highlighted by the press under the banner that it's the voice of the true Chelsea fans. On another note, I love the way you guys highlighted what a great player Crespo was, whose movement was pure joy to watch. 
I also like the way it was highlighted that Reese James can be considered to play the holding midfield role, that Ampadu deserves a fair crack at it when he comes back. Things I've been saying to my mates for ages. Sorry, Chidge, I wouldn't buy Declan Rice for that reason. Mm. Looking forward to getting back to the games with a beer in the cock mm. before and after. Keep the blue flag flying high. Carefree, Alan. Oh, oh, Alex, you're back. Do you want me to go through the email? Uh, no, again? no, 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 <laughs> no. Oh, uh, I didn't mean. I, I think mean it. brilliant, no, e no, brilliant yeah, email, Joe. We, I, I'm, I'm not even aware of this, Chid. I mean, I was was aware of it that they have this, this, you know, state whatever you feel like on the fifth stand. But surely there should be somebody in there. Uh, it is moderated. I mean, it's it's like a chat room. I'm like, it's indeed, just a lot of idiots. Indeed, indeed. Oh, it's crap. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's but it, it, it does seem a bizarre. Um, environment that they can just slag off everybody. I just find that. But it's, it's just like it's Twitter, just, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I get fed up of when they say, when a journalist or someone on, not why I watch Sky Sports, they'll say, oh, the, the fans, and you think, no, it's you're, 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 you're saying it's Twitter. And it is getting to the point now where I, I don't know who said it recently. It was either Simon Johnson, Liam Toomey, or maybe someone else said, make no mistake, if if it was back in the stand, everyone in the stand, everyone in, in Stanford Bridge, no one would be on Lampard's back. Uh, it'd be so nice to get back yeah, as soon yeah. as possible to let Mason, to let Frank know we're still all behind them. You know, we adore them. You know, Twitter is not the voice of uh, Chelsea supporters. That, that's a good point, Dane. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. That's a good point, isn't it? I thought Liam's mm. article was bang on, actually, because... Oh, Liam, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you know, we, we have, or we had a huge and not insignificant voice in the stadium and certainly away. And I know, because I've spoken to people like Steve Atkins about it, that they, they do hear that voice very loudly on occasion. Uh, they don't always agree with it, but they, they definitely hear it. And, of course, without that, we've been silenced, mm -hmm. you know, and the noise is coming from social media, isn't it? I, ho I hope they've got the sense to ignore it because most of what comes out of social media is, well, as a psychotherapist, I could spend eight hours explaining it, but I'm thankfully not going to. Dan? Yeah, I was going to say, it's just, it's so much bullshit on social media. It's just It's just crap. And I think a lot of the players probably don't even manage their own accounts anyway, so they probably don't see half the crap that goes on. Good. No. I can't imagine. Certainly with Twitter, I think Instagram, maybe they do, but I'd imagine they've all got managed accounts. So they don't have to put up all the crap that goes on. But listen, Twitter is such a bad barometer for anything that's going on. You know, I, I used to be used to buy a hell of a lot now, but I've just learned to block. If I see any, any like, utter, utter trash, I just block them. Mm. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, especially those who've got, like, you know, avatars of, like, um, killing your back and say, you know, have you got me some amount? I'm like, oh, nah, next. But it's full of madness. That's the trouble. JK, you're not full of madness. Say, you're full I of love the, and fluffy uh, stuff. Uh, the, uh, uh, the awfulness of Woody's death, mm. nonetheless, yeah. the, the unbelievable support yeah. that was achieved by everybody uh, of, of a, a positive nature on Twitter, which was then reflected in the journalist's response to it, I thought was an unbelievably... Did you read um, Liam's article? Yeah, absolutely yeah. Ter terrific response from everybody. And, and made you realise that those, that's the real support. That is the, that's what's on Twitter, you know, uh, yeah. in, in a way that... A troll or, a, you know, an Xbox boy is never going to understand that yeah. and never, never going to push for that in a... Uh, never going to discuss that in a in a in a in a tweet. Uh, yeah, and the best thing was, you know, as all the players doing the the A, the a sign, even yeah. from the other clubs, and then yeah. John Terry and Frank Lampard on the Instagram and Aspilicueta on Twitter. Yeah, you know, it really, it really kind of it was a shock to everyone in football. I think from 
you know, people. Who was it? Who did the A? Was it um, Madison? Maybe did the, the A or one? The ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell. No, no, Grealish. not Chelsea third, did it? Grealish. Grealish yeah. and Barkley, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 That, that, you see, none of the trials get involved in that because. You know, they're, they're, they're pointless. Makes amounts irrelevant in that in that whole conversation. It was as horrible as it was. It must be so cathartic for the family and friends to see. You know, the outpouring of love. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, as I said, I've got one more question from uh, from Mixler, which I'd love to finish up on. So, you you lovely Patreon people, you've got one more question. Who who would like to ask it if they want to? You don't have to. There's no pressure. If you don't, I'll ask. Okay, Alex. Actually, not a question. It's just a quick statement. One of the magics of this podcast is you marry the spirit of those of us who remember when Chelsea in the post-Sexton years were very hard to deal with, <laughs> very painful. <laughs> you all know what I mean. Oh, you yeah. lived it, right? But at the same time, we've got a you know, wonderful newer generation who are right here enjoying the same conversation. I don't know how you do it, but I'm very glad you do. I know for myself, can't wait to hear each each of your shows every week. Oh, so, thank you, um, Alex. Keep on keeping on. So. That, 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 well, thank you anyway because it was a lovely thing to say. But I think I, I I totally love your point too because I know I know that a few of us round the, the the table every week are a kind of old git. Uh, but actually, you know, I've always been very conscious of trying to have. I don't like living in a silo or an echo chamber. It's not what I'm about, you know. And I and I like the fact that I mean, you know. Dean's uh, quite a young lad uh, you know Dan and uh, Dane are about the same age they're both younger than Jonathan and I and Marco and Clayton for example everybody's younger than me Chief. yes I know I didn't want to say that I said that you me Clayton and Marco are a similar age Martin Wickham is is like the same age as Dean so there's a good spread and in the old days we used to have you know good old Lauren used to be on the show so I mean uh, I, I, don't, I don't care who you are or where you're from uh, you know, or what sex you are, as long as you've had a beer with me and bought me a pint in the cock, it's that simple. You know, I'm 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 very easy to please, really. But no, a, a fair point, well made, Alex. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Right, we have got one more to wrap it up, okay? And then I'll I'll do the outro. But it's a it's a it's a good question, this, and I've got a ridiculously stupid answer to it. But it's from the lovely Andy the Hutch, who's one of our Mixler regulars. Many of you who've been in Mixler will will know, because in fact, actually. You know, most of you are in here tonight on Patreon are usually sat there in Mixler as well, which is lovely. But uh, Andy the Hutch says, question, describe your views of the 1997 Cup win celebration. Now, that could be construed in many ways, but I shall ask you first, Dane. Oh, sorry, I missed that. I was reading something off Twitter. Saying, you are sorry. so bad. I shall read it again. Question, Dane. Describe your views yeah. of the 1997 Cup win celebration. Oh, when we beat Middlesbrough 2-0? That's the one. Oh, well, I was actually... That was a uh, that was a funny day because I remember, I think you talked about it the other day. Uh, was it with the Champions League to Walter? Yeah. I'd actually gone into the ground quite heavily, half cut. And by the time the game finished, I'd sobered up with a cracking headache. So I was just like taking it all in like uh, a child in his first Christmas, but with a banging headache. And I said to you before when we spoke about it, I said, my arms were crossed. And so many people said, cool, you didn't look very happy because apparently the camera zoomed right in on me. Uh, again, yeah, I we hadn't, I hadn't, I didn't imagine I was going to see us uh, uh, 
win an FA Cup. Obviously, a couple of years before, I was in the, the crowd when we lost to United 4-0, which was not a pleasant experience. So, you know, I was overwhelmed. It was a great, great day. The old Wembley Stadium, you know, the celebrations, they, they went on for a long time. Someone said recently, well, did they go on longer than any other celebrations? Yeah, I've heard yeah, that. Uh, why, is, why is he leading it all? You know, I love Tullet anyway, but it made me adore him even more. It was a fantastic day. Yeah, it was a really good day. Dan? Oh, incredible. Um, well, my dad, I think we just sat down and we scored. It was just brilliant because we had the absolute disappointment of 94 when we lost to Manchester United. And just going there, you know, as I said to you when I did my, my Chelsea with you, first major trophy I've seen us lift. It was just absolutely incredible. And I got so drunk on the way. Very, very, very drunk. Very, very drunk. Yeah, I had a, I did. I went. I got in about. I can't remember, but I was still only woke up at five o'clock on Sunday afternoon to watch the game again. <laughs> J.K. Well, a, a lot of bitterness, of course, you know, and was pleased and thought, yes, we deserve to win it. Yes, absolutely, because we're a better team and it's about time. And I was fed up with everything, and uh, and there was piss everywhere. It was with Wembley because always the loo's always overflowed. I couldn't wait to get out. I got out and I got in there. Fucking, I've got to take me hours and hours to get home. Oh God, what's the matter with me? Oh yeah, well we've won. It's about time. Yeah, absolutely great. Anyway, so the following day, and I thought, yeah, I worked time. I was I, I was living on my own at the time and uh, didn't have a girlfriend, a bit sad. And um, uh, and I went, uh, the following day I thought, yeah, I'll go to the, uh, I'll go to the cup um, being paraded round. And uh, so uh, I watched it and they came along with the cup and I burst into tears for so long that I had to go and hide behind a hedge. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I was so affected by it. I just couldn't, I was absolutely- Because of the cup or you didn't have a girlfriend? Overtaken, both, <laughs> both, both of that, both of that. But funnily enough, just because of the cup, it was suddenly, it was the, it was the fact that it all came, I saw the coming along with the cup in the, in the, you know, on the double-decker bus. I just thought, oh my God, I, I, I've wanted this for so long, since 1970 when I'd gone with my dad. We and, waited oh, so long, but we'll wait forever. forever. Exactly, exactly. But I did, I had to go, and it was just past, and I had to, there was a privet hedge. I had to go behind the hedge in the garden. <laughs> And I just got this <laughs> racked with sobs, just <laughs> thinking, control yourself. Come on, come on, what's the matter with you? Thinking, no, give in to it, give in to it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, by the time I got out, guess what? It had gone past. So I couldn't no. take any pictures. <laughs> well, uh, Andy, Andy says on Mixler, JK, piss everywhere. What a memory. Laugh out loud, JK. Um, it was always the trouble with Wembley. I know, it was, it was always. Yeah. I, I, I have to say that my answer, Andy, is utterly stupid as ever, as you would expect of me, because um, after the debacle in 94, when I, I thought stupidly that we were going to win, because, uh, of course, we deserved to, because we'd waited so long and we were, had had to wait forever, um, I was so I still had the hump about it. So I, never, I just didn't think, oh, well, we're not going to get into a cup final for another, like, 100 years, so... Uh, I stupidly allowed myself uh, to be uh, taken on holiday by my lovely lady wife of four years in those days, I think. And she took me to St. Lucia uh, for a week. And, of course, it coincided with Chelsea being in the cup final, which I didn't know when we booked the holiday. Uh, so I had to... Luckily, you can have a... You can, in those days, you could absolutely have a, a media blackout uh, in St Lucia so I, I completely devoided myself of any football news whatsoever and, and I, what I did was I set the VCR 
not the DVD or the or the TiVo, the VCR, to record uh, the cup final and made sure that I... It was a bit like the likely lads, you know, like avoided all, all press, all new papers. Didn't turn my phone on as well. I had my phone off. And I basically, we got a cab back from the airport, um, opened the front door, dumped the suitcases straight into the living room, hit the v, you know, the VCR and watched the final, uh, you know, and absolutely loved it, of course. Loved it so much, in fact, that I got to the end, rewound it and watched it again. So there you go. So that was that was my view of the cup final. I was nowhere near Stamford Bridge, nowhere near Wembley, sunning, my, uh, my, sunning myself in St. Lucia, uh, but I, I have to say, I mean, it was wonderful. But yeah, I mean, I'd have cut my right arm off to be there. And I and I, re- I don't regret many things in life, but I really regret not being at that one. But uh, but there you go. What can I say? Um, one, one last thing before we toddle off. Have any of you lot got a, a lovely memory uh, of uh, of 1997? Put your hand up really quickly if you want to ask. I can't believe. Oh, there we go. Bobby D. I was just going to say that those were the days when you used to get the cameras on the buses and, you know, the helicopters following the coaches to the ground and mm. just the atmosphere was just as much outside. Because I remember my seat was the front row, so I don't remember seeing any of the game because of the curvature of the pitch and the view. I just couldn't see anything. So it's more to do with the atmosphere. And I think when Di Matteo scored, it was just like we were celebrating for 90 minutes in the ground because we kind of knew that we were going to win the game then. And yeah, it was just the atmosphere more than anything else for me. Yeah, that old Wembley was some stadium actually, even if it was horrible. It was quite, it was quite something. But there you go, brilliant, well done, Andy, well done, Bobby. Uh, right, my lovely people, that I'm afraid is about all we've got time for this week. Uh, but we will be back this Friday uh, at 7 p.m. live to look ahead to the Southampton game. And uh, I don't have a clue who'll be on with me and Jonathan because I haven't done the schedule yet. Apologies, people. Uh, but I'll 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 do a bit of a WhatsApp, find out who's free. Uh, same again for Monday because I haven't done the schedule for that either yet. I need to get on it this week. But uh, we'll be back next Friday and of course next Monday uh, for the usual Monday night fancast. And of course Chelsea fancast, as you all know by now, is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, as well as all sorts of other podcast distributors that I don't even know. Um, now, uh, it would be remiss of me with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of our illustrious Patreon members not to give Patreon a bit of a shout out. Uh, so, you know, if you like what we do, uh, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron, and which helps us to cover the cost of running all the shows we do uh, and uh, en- enable us to have a lot of fun, really, which is very lovely of them that they do. Um, there's no pressure, really, honestly, absolutely no pressure. You can donate whatever you want uh, every month uh, at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Um, and of course, it's a good way to get in touch with me as I quite often will respond to my Patreon messages a bit quicker than I get to everything else. And of course, you can ask questions to us anytime you like. And of course, uh, I occasionally try and do special things like this. And in fact, actually, on that point, it would be kind of me talking about Patreon with a load of Patreon members in here. You know, you could take your mics off now if you want. But, um, you know, tell me why why you signed up to it. Chain, I'll ask you first. Uh, just, you know, there's a lot of crap out there with, uh, like crap media that people complain about because there's clickbaiting and there's ads and all that stuff. So, you know, once you realize that you really 
love the fan cast and you find yourself listening to it over and over and over again and you guys are providing an awesome experience awesome place awesome community so why not put a few dollars towards people that you really think are doing the right thing uh, that's a lovely lovely remark anybody else would like to pick us up with the pantry on why you do it ash I, I don't want it to ever end, so I'll, I'll support any way I can. <laughs> we'll try and uh, we'll try and keep to that promise, Ash. I promise you. I tell you what, would be lovely is to see you all again for a beer in the cock sometime before we all shuffle off this mortal coil. Claire, you put your hand up. Oh yeah, I just uh, wanted to say that you know, having uh, grown up in England and gone to see Chelsea live as a child and a teenager, and then moving over here and feeling like I lost the connection somewhat and then finding the fan cast and feeling like, okay, here's my, these are my people and my I want people. to listen to them and I want to like be part of it. And so spending a bit of money to support you seemed like absolutely nothing compared to what I get back. Love. Well, that's really sweet. Bobby, you had your hand up. Yeah, exactly the same as Claire. Just really appreciate it. When I moved to Australia, there was absolutely nothing. And it just, you know, you feel as though you're part of an extended family yeah. and it's just, just appreciate it so much yeah and like the time and effort that you put in is just amazing well, you're a sweetheart mate and i love you too man it's i mean what, what you don't know is i mean shane i've had a drink within the cock claire um i, I don't think i've had a drink with you have i daryl i probably ha if i have had a drink no, with you in the cock, yeah i was gonna say if i have i was probably too pissed and i don't remember <laughs> but you, you've confirmed that i haven't alex i haven't had a beer with yet um ash of course i've had a beer with years ago so you know it's lovely that we've actually all all met and on that point alex i know you had your hand up as well what why do you uh... I, just to, I just want to reiterate what claire and, and, and rob said about having something to reconnect to and also i'm a big believer of if you value something yeah you know you support it how you have it's it's i mean i wish i could throw in more um, and one day when i'm more prosperous i probably will because you know you, you know i'm trying to love it and I want it to continue. You know, same reason I, you know, I could read The Guardian for free, but I do yeah. chip in a few bucks. Yeah, I do, know, I do that. To yeah. keep it going because I don't want it to go away. Well, how, I mean, how, I mean my, I'm truly humbled. I'm really humbled. Uh, it's lovely to hear that because, I mean, I'm very conscious that we, we, we do we do bugger all apart from what we do, but uh, I always get no, this. I think you sell yourself short, Church. Yeah. I, I think you... I mean, really, uh, uh, you read my email last on one of the last podcasts yeah. and meant every word. No, it's you know, really it's, sweet. Uh, I'm very humbled and we're, we, we, uh, we don't deserve you, but uh, we're very grateful that we have you. And I mean, I, I thought it'd be fun to ask you guys that because, you know, I blather on about this every week and it's really nice to hear really from the people who do contribute and why they do it. Uh, and, and I tell you, it's hugely appreciated. It really, really is. So thank you. And actually, more to the point, uh, it's been really lovely to see you all on the show tonight and, you know, asking the questions that you have uh, and seeing your lovely faces, particularly, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen Bobby for ages. And he's in, I mean, Bobby from Melbourne, for God's sake. You know, people from the States, people from Canada. It's, it's just awesome, super awesome, as they like to say in North America, to see you all and have you contribute and be on a show. And uh, panic not other Patreon people who have missed out tonight because we're going to do it again on the next international break Monday, which is, I think, on November the 16th. So I've enjoyed this tremendously. So we'll do it again. It's been great, great fun. Um, very quick plug for uh, In Off The Post, which is what we now call our email slot. 
Uh, we read a few out tonight. If you want uh, an email read out on the show, uh, obviously email it to chelseafancast at gmail.com. Send it via Patreon if you're a Patreon member. Instagram post. Dame will pick it up and, and, and let me have it, and then we'll read it out. Even tweet us. We don't mind. We, we'll, we'll read them out. You're part of the show very much so. They've got to be in by a Sunday night because I tend to do the script on a Sunday. So there you go. Now, as ever, you can follow us on uh, Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Dan at DanSilv73, and Dane at DWit9. And of course, as you know, we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that malarkey too. Um, so people in Patreon, brilliant. Wonderful to see you. I've really enjoyed tonight. I hope, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. People in Mixler, not to forget you lot out there. You've been tremendous, as you always are. Some great questions that came from you. Uh, and I forgot to tell you about the breaking news, uh, JK, from uh, Mark Meehan, who uh, said that uh, Terence Trent Darby's real name is, in fact, Terry Howard. No. <laughs> yes. So there you go. So Mixler people, as always, lovely to... Work, does it? No, it's not the same. Work, not no. the same at all. Lovely to see you lot in Mixler, of course. Uh, but uh, even more so... Where would I be without the lovely Dane? Oh, yeah, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure being on, you know, seeing you, Jonathan and Dan, and especially just, you know, see, warms the cockles of me, North American roots is heart, and, you know, the guy in Australia, this is what a wonderful experience. It's, uh, you know, I love it. You wait till Bobby D comes back over here and you see him in the cock pub, mate. I'll be carrying you out. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'll well, be glad you do, because yeah. it'll be in a minute. The world's gone back to normal. I could be wrong, but the last time I saw Bobby D was uh, when Torres scored his first goal for Chelsea. Am I right, mate? Oh, against yeah, West Ham. That's when the ball stuck in the mud. Yeah. And <laughs> he turned around and he, he scored from there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And he came, he, we did a podcast uh, afterwards that weekend, and Robert was uh, with us all, and, and Canners was the guest, and we all went out and had a curry with Canners. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, God. he can off eat that guy. Oh, can he ever? <laughs> we were we were very messy that night. Anyway, Dane, great to see you as always. Mr. Sills, lovely to always see you pleasure. as always. Yeah, always a pleasure. Great to see all the, the Patreon folk. And, you know, I'll leave you the worst of Terence Trendelby. Wish you well. Yeah, you too, mate. It's great to see you. Well done. It's been great fun. And last but by no means least, the most important person on the Chelsea fan cast oh, by no, a country no. mile. No, it's you. No, no, no it's you. No, it's, it's you. No, no, it's you. Jonathan, great to see you as always, mate. I look forward to seeing you on Friday. Yeah, looking forward to it as well, Chibs. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'd say, everybody, I'm always bemused that I'm, I always expect I'm going to get an email saying, thank you very much, Jonathan, but we don't need your services anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do every week. Not working for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not working Jonathan's just not working for me. Don't call us, we'll call you. But, but happily, I, I'm hanging on by my bootstraps, aren't nah. I? Just by my fingernails, but thank you. It wouldn't thank be the same. Guys, completely brilliant and, and i love it i love it you're absolutely brilliant guys fantastic and uh, if the, the dilemma i've always got saying i'll see you in the cock is but you know i'm always rushing up i'm a bit late and i've got always i'm you know i'm not a great one for the food you get in the in in aussies and i get there and i'm and i'm always a bit late and i don't drink much anyway so i'm sort of slightly the opposite of of I'm, i have to make a big thing of saying yes i'll meet you in the cock and i'll be there and i'll get there and then chid just to say you're coming to the cock and i go yes I'm coming to the cock, and then I have to remember to get on my bicycle because I cycle normally to go to the bridge. And I get there, and then we go to the cock, and I have to get there an hour and a half beforehand. But then I'll, I'll just sit there having an orange juice or something. So I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a cheap date. Really, if I've so. seen you have a glass of wine before. Well, yeah, occasionally, but then I felt so ill afterwards. I'm pissed. I get so pissed. I have a glass of red, but I'm absolutely... He's I've a got cheap date. He's a cheap date. And on that... Well, on thank that... you so much. I love you all. Thank you. I say that really seriously. I think it's fantastic. 
brilliant guy. Brilliant. There you go on that bombshell. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. Up the chills! Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.